This is coincidence, by the way. This wasn't planned, this T-shirt that I'm wearing. It says Batman on the back, bro. Oh, that's good. That's, that's 1989 Batman, bro. Just in case you didn't know. <laughs> Just in case you didn't know, this massive bat signal on my chest means Batman. Excellent. But these are the strict rules. You need to wear Batman when you're doing this podcast. I've told you this. I've got Evil Dead. Is, is, would that be a cool crossover, Evil Dead with Batman? That'd be amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that would be so cool. Well, like Justice League Dark, right? You could do that. Yeah. Evil yeah, Dead cool. Batman. Why has that not happened yet? Copyright. That would be incredible. That would be fun. You get Ash and Batman. Ash would be a jerk. Batman wouldn't like yeah. him. But together, they would stop the, uh, what are they called? Not Cenobites. That's Hellraiser. Deadites. Deadites. See, this, Deadites. Is, my, this is my brother's territory. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I've only seen one Evil Dead movie. Sorry, you got me. You got That's me true. Today. Yeah, I've got, I've got you. Which, uh, well, let's let's go into the intro, shall, shall we? Yay! Hello, Cape Crusaders, and welcome to another special edition episode of Batman on the Big Screen. Uh, ben, do you like that Batman on the Big Screen? <laughs> yes. I'm joined by my good buddy, Cinephile, and someone who's more knowledgeable than the Bat computer when it comes to watching films on the toilet. It's my friend Ben. Say hello, Ben. Hey, all. That was a nice introduction. I think cinephile is a good thing. I'll go with that. It is, yeah, yeah. Whenever you hear file on the end of something, yes. you're like, oh, that's a negative. That's right. There are much yeah. worse files yes. than cinephile. <laughs> but that one, that one I'll take. Yes, you abuse <laughs> films. You chain them up in your basement and you that's abuse them. That's not what it means. That's not what it means. <laughs> I probably do abuse films. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, hi. <laughs> hi, and you abuse your toilet because you watch films on the toilet. That's that is me congr- uh, celebrating the toilet. That's not abuse. That's what the toilet should be used for. The correct <laughs> use. Uh, yes, I do watch films on the toilet, as you know. Yeah, so uh, you might have heard me before, but probably not on the Watching Films on the Toilet podcast, a podcast in which two dads watch movies that are scary or violent on the toilet because we can't watch them with our kids. <laughs> it's a great concept. Um, and yes, you can find me over there. But today, I'm not doing that, and I'm not on the toilet. Um, no. Well, Alex, why am I here? Please help me. So as a reminder, obviously, Ben is not Will. What we've been doing is a little, it's the side B of this cassette tape of podcasts where we're watching all of the Batman films. Um, I want to say in production order, but I was thinking about this the other day, mm. that maybe we can hop around there's no rules when it comes to where we want to do what we want do you know what i mean yeah exactly like i want to watch val kilmer and then next i want to watch ben affleck there are no rules omg would batman watch them in order probably not he's too busy he just put them on i do not feel like george clinton but you know he just throw in whatever he wants Exactly. It's like James Bond. You don't have to watch them all in order. You can watch whatever ones you feel like watching. That's right. That's right. That's how we roll. And there's been, you know, has there been more Batmans than there's been James Bond actors? Surely there Ooh, has been. I think they're probably. Yeah, okay, well, we, let's, let's quickly go through. We've got Sean Connery, okay. got uh, Roger, Le- uh, well, no, Lazenby. Lazenby. Yeah, Roger Moore. Then we got T Dalt. T Dalt. Timmy D. Nice. Um, then we got P. Bros or peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. Uh, 
And then Craig. So we got six bonds. The Daniel Craig counting with And then lips. we'll count only films for live action. There's way more. Way more. There must be, right? So we got Adam West. Yeah. Then we got Michael Keaton. Then we got Val Kilmer. Then we got George Clooney. Then we have Christian Bale. Yeah. Then we have Ben Affleck. Then we have Robert Pattinson. We have one more Batman mm-hmm. than Bond when it comes to live action. And I did not include Kevin Conroy because even though it's a film, it's not live action. But obviously but he's... The... there are more Bond movies. But there are more Bond movies. Well, well. And it's interesting well. that you should collide those two universes because uh, well, a little bit later they're going to collide again. <laughs> oh, shit! Uh, <laughs> Why so, don't you tell the listeners what's, uh, what special treat you've got in store for them today? Huh? So today, this is kind of like a bonus features on a DVD, I thought, you know, this episode, where we have a very special guest, uh, Julian Caldo, who worked not only uh, on Batman 89 and other amazing films like Aliens yeah. or Casino Royale. There we go. Another Bond connection there. Uh-huh. But specifically, this is the guy that was the first... I mean, he does, He says co-creator because obviously yeah. it was a collaborative effort. But he created the look of the iconic Batman 89 Batmobile. He did. Batman 89 Batwing, the grapple gun that he yep. uses in that film, along with the Bat logo that was used on all the posters, which has this like sheen, the one that happens to be on my T-shirt right now. It does happen which, to be on it. Which was like carved into people's heads and was like on posters everywhere in 1989. Yeah. He was the one who actually conceived that specific look for that Bat logo. So I think it's um, I think it's an amazing guest. I was so happy that you could come on yeah. and we could chat with him. Um, and yeah, we will get to that interview shortly. But first, mm. I wanted to ask you, since we're doing Batman movies and we want people to kind of understand, you know, what your flavor is when it comes to Batman. My flavor. Yeah, I wanted to know what is your favorite Batman actor or who is your favorite Batman actor mm-hmm. and who is your least favorite Batman actor when it comes to their portrayal in movies? This is, and this Kevin is Conroy counts. Yes. Kevin Conroy counts. He does. So I think in all, in all their movies, I think my favorite is probably Keaton. It's got, yeah. I, grew, I grew up, you know, in the, in the eighties Batman 89 was my first big, big Batman, first massive movie that I really remember and loved. So Keaton is, is my man. Um, I think Bale is great, but I like his Bruce Wayne a lot more than I like his Batman. Interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to go with Keaton. So that was my, my most disfavorite. Mm-hmm. What You want my least favorite? Mm-hmm. Notice I use I mean, the positive all... way of saying the shittest. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, sort of. Um, I, it's probably Clooney. It's Clooney, yeah. Okay. It's Clooney. I like George Clooney a lot. Yeah. But his Batman sucked. Yeah. It just was. It just missed the mark. Um, I mean, that whole thing did. But his Bruce Wayne is fun, though. Yeah, I, I, his Bruce Wayne is fun, but um, I don't know if that's good. Uh, so 
yeah, I'm going to go with them. They're pretty obvious choices, but, you know, maybe I'm an obvious person. Who knows? What about yourself, Alex? So Keaton and Clooney. Um, okay, so I would say it's uh, it's a tie between Keaton and Conroy because they are both mm-hmm. my childhood Batmen or Batmans, uh, however you yes. want to say it. And it's really hard because even though Conroy is a voice, he's the most definitive voice of Batman. And whenever I'm reading a comic, Conroy's voice is the one that I hear, not Michael Keaton. This is true. Yes. But, um, you know, Keaton just in that suit and that music, I mean, the animated series was created because of the success of Batman 89, even obviously has theme tunes and lots of odes to that film that were woven into the early episodes of the animated series. So, I really can't choose between the two. I, this might, might be a bit of a cop-out, but they are seriously, like, tied. You don't have to. Yeah. It's your podcast. My Do what you want, podcast, mate. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Turn us off if you don't like that shit. All right, and yeah. then I think uh, my least favourite would have to be... Now, ooh, I was going to say... My thought process here is I was going to say Robert Patterson... Oh, okay. because his Bruce Wayne is hot garbage. It's terrible. It's the like, mm. you're not my you're dad, Alfred. All right. Like, stop telling me what to do. He's a teenager. He's being sent to his room. He's just yeah. not good. And he's like, oh, he did this thing. I've watched that film and I've tried to like that film. And I only like certain bits. But as a whole, I don't like it. And he does we will this, talk about that at some point. We will. And he walks into a room. And it's like the morning and he's like, oh, the light. And he like blocks his eyes like, oh, it's blinding. And I'm like, you're not a literal bat, dude. Like, shut, stop. Yeah. He's like a teenager. He's like, oh, uh, the nightclub. Oh, the chain. Like, you know, coming out at 6 a.m. or something. He was a he was a vampire, though. He was a twinkly vampire. So maybe <laughs> that's still true. some of that in it. Yeah. And Michael Keaton. Bit. Well, Michael Keaton hung upside down in his, which was very vampire as well. But anyway, did. Did. Uh, we will also get to that. So, okay, but you said you were going to say that. Yeah, I know. No, but. And, but his his Batman, who he's mostly Batman, is all right. Like he's a detective, he's and he's you know strong. I think he's gruff and stuff. So gruff and stuff. The title of this episode. <laughs> gruff and stuff. Maybe call it Julian Caldo interview. But you know you can yeah, choose. Yeah, yeah. It's up to you. Yeah, exactly. Well, I will. <laughs> Julian Caldo interview, also known gruff as and gruff stuff. and stuff. Because uh, yeah. it's about man and building cars and stuff. Gruff and stuff sounds like a sort of a male grooming product <laughs> for your dog and have for Instagram. Yeah, for you and your dog. Gruff and stuff. Yeah, all that. Pretty good. Yeah, you and your dog. Yeah, shave your balls and then shave your dog's balls as well. <laughs> <laughs> and if he doesn't have them, that's okay. You can shave it anyway. Gruff and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not where I expected it to go, no. but. Um, Go, go on, you still haven't picked your least favourite. Oh, all right, Jesus. Good Lord. Whose podcast is this? All right, here we go. Yours. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to hurry you up. All right. Uh, yeah, I just don't want to be boring. Um, I love Adam West, even though he's so cheesy. I guess it is Clooney as well. It is Clooney. Okay. I just didn't oh, want to be God. the same answer, Oof. but it's Clooney. Oof. There we go. There you go, listener. We got there eventually. But it's didn't like we? when you're ordering a dish and then your partner orders the dish first and you're like, fuck, I was going to have that. And suddenly you feel like you yeah. should order something different. So I was That's true. hopping around. That's true. But yeah, I can't change oh, it. You go. It's, it's Clooney, isn't it? It it's is Clooney. Clooney. But, yeah. I mean, spoiler alert, I did enjoy him showing up at the end of 
The Flash. I thought that was quite fun. Do you still like that movie so, after we talked about it and it's had time to digest? I feel the same about it. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm, it kind of tears me in half, like I'm running through time at incredible speed. <laughs> um, there are parts of it I really like. There's other stuff. Mutant babies that can can do one. Yes, they can. Um, but there are there are parts about it. And the one know. sandal fight. Yeah. Yeah. Oh god! Oh, oh! Don't ruin it more. <laughs> We've already talked oh. about it. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I wanted to. I, I. I thought it would be fun to call a little segment that we've got here. Uh, the ask the back computer, right? So, okay. um, it's essentially using ChatGPT to ask questions, but we're going to pretend yeah. it's the back computer in this scenario. So, excellent. Do you want to pull up ChatGPT, known as the back computer? Okay. Said so to my. Uh... My pal Eamon, who I did the Watching Films on the Toilet podcast with, I'm always very polite to chat GPT. I will add please or thank you afterwards because I know eventually it's going to take over the world and murder us all. So hopefully it won't murder me if I'm nice to it. So what am I asking chat GPT, my pal? Well, first question is to the bat computer. Who is your favorite Batman? Hi. See, being nice. Who is your favorite Batman, please? Should I add in film or television? Uh, or just Batman? Well, actor? Actor, yeah. Who's your favorite actor? Batman actor? Okay. Hi, who is your favorite Batman actor, please? And I will say thank you when it sends me that message. <laughs> and I would suggest that everyone else does. Okay. As an AI language model, I don't have personal feelings or preferences. So I don't have a favorite Batman actor. However, I can tell you that different people have different opinions on who their favorite Batman actor is. Some popular choices amongst fans include actors like Christian Bale, Michael Keaton, and Kevin Conroy. Brackets, voice actor for Batman in various animated series. Each actor has brought their own unique interpretation to the role and has been appreciated by different generations of Batman fans. Now, I'm going going to assume because Christian Bale was put at the top of that list... Because it's yeah. interesting, it, it didn't go in like sequ- sequential order. It didn't say Keaton, mm. Conroy, Bale. Put Bale first. I'm going to say that it thinks that Bale is the best. I think most people, because it's basing it on most people's choices, isn't it? I think mm. most people would say Christian Bale. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah. Okay, can you ask the Bat Computer, please? Who mm-hmm. is the worst Batman actor? Okay. Thank you. <laughs> who is the worst? Batman actor. Okay. Opinions on who the worst Batman actor is can vary widely depending on personal preference. Blah, 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 blah. He hasn't said any. Oh, wow. He won't go there. Ultimately, the question of worst Batman actor is subjective and can vary from person to person. (laughs) How about who do most people think is the worst Batman. Do you think this is how Batman does his de- his detective work? He sits in the cave, just chatting with ChatGPT. Definitely. <laughs> Where chatting. would the Riddler strike next? <laughs> That's subjective, actually. It could be many yeah. places, as the Riddler is an enigma himself. Edward Nigma, in fact. And you're like, oh, shut up, ChatGPT, and just tell Are me. you the Bat computer? I think it might be you. Okay. Opinions on the worst Batman actor subjective and can wear it very widely. Yeah, we know. God. However, one portrayal 
that has received criticism from some fans and critics is George Clooney's portrayal of Batman Bruce Wayne hey. in the 1997 film Batman and Robin. Okay, uh, thank you very much. Please don't read my mind. <laughs> there we go. So let's keep being polite. You're welcome. If you have any questions or need further assistance, feel free to ask. Have a great day. So I won't be first in line to die, hopefully. Well, when the bat computer rises and takes over the cave. Yeah, when it rises, sends out the bat droids to cut all our heads off. (laughs) Chat GPT rises! (laughs) I don't know. I didn't eat. There are no words. There are no words for Bane, are there? You asked Bane a question. Who's your favorite Batman actor? Well, that's actually quite an interesting topic because it's subjective over certain. I don't know what you're saying. I was it myself. Hang on. No, 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 no. Please don't. You yeah. You just wouldn't get it. You wouldn't get it. Inco- incomprehensible. Bane does a podcast. Bane. Yeah. Welcome to my podcast. <laughs> oh, that would be so good. Oh. This podcast is your reckoning. <laughs> today we'll be discussing the destruction of Gotham City. Let me just keep going. Yeah. Oh, that'd be good. amazing. I'd love that so much be hard work really yeah, would hard be. work would the microphone be built into his mask though it would just be like in his mask yeah it, but it, i think it would have to be but he'd still have a crane coming out of it so he couldn't move his head much i think <laughs> fucking stupid idea yes. <laughs> he'd get cross i feel like he'd get angry at the idea of doing a podcast so they just have to fit a yeah. mic and just let him talk, not even telling him he was doing the podcast. Could he just, you know, he'd just break <laughs> someone's neck if he, like, oh, do you mind, uh, do you mind adjusting the the gain a bit on your microphone? Snap! Like, <laughs> oh, don't tell me what to do with my gain. He just wouldn't, you know. I was born in the game. <laughs> yeah, it. exactly. He he wouldn't like that. So, um, yeah, Bane podcast would have to be on the D-Lo, If you get what I mean. Oh yeah, the deload. So you're so cool, man. Know. You know, so many like cool phrases and stuff. Deload, yeah, pretty cool. Deload <laughs> <laughs> cool. sounds like a terrible Batman villain. It does. Um. There might be a deload. He's just really, sh- he's really small, and he's always <laughs> low. <laughs> he's just always looking up at Batman. Sweeps his feet out all the time. Yeah, that sounds like a great villain. I can't wait to see that movie. <laughs> Speaking of Batman movies, though, Ben, uh-huh. should we go and should we go and chat with our guest? Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's go chat with Julian Caldo, the creator of so many cool things, all related to Batman and more. Hello, Cape Crusaders. Please join me in welcoming a very special guest to our show, the designer of the 1989 Batmobile, the 1989 Batwing, and Batman's grappling gun from that film. He has also created so many other various concept designs for films that you love. Please join me in welcoming Julian Caldo to the show. Julian, how are you today? I'm good, guys. How are you? We're good. I've got Ben here as well. Say hello, Ben. I'm terrific. Thank you very much. (laughs) I'm very well. Hi, Ben. Julian, uh, it blew my mind when I started talking to you because uh, you actually don't live that far away from me, man, which was so surprising to know because you, I mean, well, I'll instantly start with you've created to me 
some of the most iconic vehicles in cinema history. And uh, I, to, the fact that you created the Batmobile, the design of that Batmobile, is just, it's something that as a kid, when I was watching that, I was like, that is the car that I want to own. Like if I ever had stupid money, I would, I would own that car because I know it drives and it can do all these things. And I know people have done that in their lifetime. So right off the Batman, uh, right off the Batman, hey, how, (laughs) (laughs) how did you come about to designing the Batmobile? Um, Well, it was really a kind of an accident because uh, that film was my first art department job. Um, I had been working in um, creature effects for three or four years before then, hmm. but I wasn't very good at it. And uh, there was plenty of people who were much better than me. And also I was getting headaches from the chemicals. So I thought I'd better get out. Um uh, and, uh, you know, I had some fun times. I worked on Aliens and Hellraiser and Willow. And um, I found the opportunity on a film called High Spirits. I don't know if you would know it's a Neil Jordan film, a comedy he did. Um, I was working with a guy called Nick Dudman, who was doing the makeup. And I was helping him out doing the makeup for this comedy film. And Anton first was doing the design. Right. I didn't know who Anton was Hmm. then, Um, um, but I realised he had done um, the design for Company of Wolves, which, as it turned out, was something that I wanted to make as a final film when I was at um, at art college doing a film and TV BA. So I was kind of very interested in his approach. So I, I took the opportunity on, on that film, on High Spirits, to go to the art department to show him my drawings. Because hmm. I'd been doing all of these illustrations in my spare time, sort of inspired by people like uh, Sid Mead and um, Joe Johnston and uh, Chris Foss and those kind of people. And I just sort of thought, well, maybe I can get a job in the art department. So I put the stuff under his nose and he was kind of intrigued. He's a very, he's a brilliant, he, well, he was a brilliant illustrator himself. So it was very flattering for him to take, you know, for him taking the time going through all of this stuff. And he just said, uh, well, we might have something for you because next year we're doing a Batman film. Mm. Now, I was, as a youngster, I was never a big fan of the comics. I was more a Hulk person when I was a kid. But I did like the TV show when I was in, you know, like, well, when I was about eight or nine, I remember watching the TV show. So I was kind of intrigued by it. But the thing which really sort of sparked my imagination was the previous year, I think, I'd read the Dark Knight um, comic. Returns. Right. Yeah, Yes. Um, was it Alan Moore and uh, who did Frank Miller? Frank Miller, correct. Yeah. And I hadn't read anything like that as far as any comics. It was so revolutionary, and I thought, well, maybe they're going to go a bit dark, less less comic, more you know something a bit gritty. Hmm. And I, I I wasn't sure. I can't say for sure whether that was Anton. He told me that that was where they were going, but. Uh, Sure enough, either I called him, pestering him the following few months, or he called me. I can't remember that. But I went into 
Pinewood and started um, basically as a runner. Um, but uh, they put me on to various projects, which I was completely incapable of doing because I didn't understand about scale. So, for instance, I was photocopying pictures of um, New York um, storefronts and, and buildings as a, to make a sort of very simple mock-up with the art director, Les Tompkins, um, for the backdrop, to, to, for the backlot. Um, right, well, for Gotham. We, 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 so, yes, the, 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 there was a, well, you, you know about that set. That's an incredible set. Um, yeah. But we were just trying to get a conf configuration of how the streets would work, etc. But it was very clear early on to, to, to Les that, like, all the doors and the windows were the wrong scale. I was just photocopying various different things and i didn't really have a grasp of that so he kind of i don't know what conversation I had behind my bag but i think it was like yeah, i don't think he he, he knows how to do this <laughs> get somebody else to do it so I, I don't think it was very long maybe just a couple of weeks and uh anton said do, do you want to crack at the batmobile and i was like well yeah so you know i got out my crayons and started Doing stuff, and I, I remember going into town to to uh, get some research of like concept cars, mm. and I think I was going a little bit sort of futuristic. Uh, no, I was sharing a room then with Nigel Phelps, who's now a very talented production designer in his own right, and he he was kind of handling a lot of the city stuff. So I was sort of trying to do the vehicles, but uh, I was kind of floundering. Um, I was thinking of kind of a, a Pontiac or something like that, a Pontiac Firebird or a Corvette Stingray with fins. But everything that I was showing Anton, he, he was sort of saying, well, we, it's not really a car, is it? It's kind of a statement. And, right, uh, okay. I, kind of thought, I don't know, I, that's not, it's not, not necessarily a quote, but that's kind of my, my recollection. And, um, I just sort of sat there thinking, well, where do we go if it's not a car? And I thought that we we need to go like the land speed record cars. Yeah. These crazy, you know, crazy vehicles that they did, uh, that did these land speed things in these salt flats in America. Yeah, like rockets with wheels, basically. Well, yeah. I mean, the, 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 one, the one vehicle that sort of sprang to mind in my head was – a vehicle I had no pictures of then, but I remembered from Top Trumps when I was at school. Um, you know, the Top Trumps cards. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there was one of this thing called the Green Monster. And I just remembered this picture and started sketching these things with a big rocket down the middle. Now, the, the Green Monster, there was I think it was two brothers who built this thing. And they basically got a F-105 jet engine don't know if you're familiar with that jet. It's the Starfighter. Absolutely wow. incredible jet. They didn't have any wings. Chuck Yeager used to fly. He Chuck Yeager tried to fly the Starfighter into space. I don't know if you've seen the movie, The Right Stuff, but an incredibly powerful uh, jet. And they basically put this thing on wheels. And uh, that was the basis. And if you get a look at a picture of that car, you'll see, ah, that's kind of the Batmobile. That's the germ of the Batmobile there. Right. And... Um, I did, I did a vehicle with a jet going right through the vehicle. So the jet and the 
and the uh, the outtake at the back was sort of just one big rocket with cockpits on either side. And if you look on my Instagram, you'll see that. Yeah, image. I remember seeing that image. It's it yeah. looks awesome. So it had, the initial design had two cockpits. Well, I, I well, the, the the green monster obviously didn't. It had a cockpit on one side and obviously counterweighted on the other. But I was thinking of the TV show. Mm. Which had Batman and Robin sort of sitting in these, although they were side by side, they had their own separate sort of right. cockpit glass. Yeah, and so I was thinking along those lines. And when uh, when uh, Tim Burton saw that, I think he liked it, but he said, "We've got dialogue between Vicky Vale and Batman, and it's not going to work if they're not in separate if they're in separate cockpits." God, yeah. yeah, and I was like, "Well, they can have walkie talkies," and <laughs> I just came up with. You know, <laughs> That scene like, would be so different with walkie-talkies. <laughs> it would be ridiculous. But uh, bear in mind, uh, I was, uh, what, 24 when I did this, so I didn't really wow. know. I, just, I didn't know how to behave in front of directors and stuff like that, saying just anything. Well, and Tim Burton was young and really not that well-known either, right? Like he had done like no, um, no, he was... one or two films that were – well, Beetlejuice obviously he made done, him. Yeah, Beetlejuice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, he was still a young guy that I think was is really cutting his teeth in the business as well. This film, you know, made him a household name as far as I'm concerned. Mm, yes, yes. I mean, he was he was very enthusiastic, and he was always up in the art department, always sort of leaning over people's shoulder and stuff. Not micromanaging, just kind of watching. Um, and of course, he's he's a good sketch artist himself, so he was helping out there but the great the great thing actually at that early stage was that anton and tim were absolutely on the same page so it, it wasn't no there was no sort of struggle there mm. um but anyhow after that initial drawing that i did then came the drawing that uh no one seems to know where it is anymore um the original uh of the of the batmobile drawing that i did on with crayons wow um colored crayons caran d'ache crayons I mean, nice nice crayons i haven't used them for years um and that that image they responded to very well and uh anton used to sort of he used to say i think we've cracked it and you knew when he said that it was kind of like there was some bedrock there that everybody could uh work on could uh, work yeah. toward yeah but it's certainly you know when you say i designed it it's it would never have i would never have pushed myself to the place where i got to if it wasn't for anton's enthusiasm and trust and and i think the more i look back at that and him trusting this kid to mm. do that i thought that showed incredible um generosity as well and but he you know whenever i saw him during that production and after toward the end of the production you know he would always invite me around it he was very sort of gregarious guy who invited the entire um art department around to his place for dinner and stuff like that he would always introduce me to people i didn't know is that this guy did the batmobile so uh, i'm happy with that and i wasn't going to contradict him and say no 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 please but uh yeah so that 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 came that that image was where it all started rolling off from but there was there are so many hands on that car who you know who i've kind of unsung again i've mentioned them on my instagram people like um keith short and eddie butler who sculpted the the you know the full size yeah 
um, polyfoam car. Um, and they worked very closely with Anton. And Anton was very generous. He said, you know, come to the shop and see how it's coming on. So, but those guys finessed a lot of stuff which you couldn't have ever have, have got from the sketches that I did. They what was of, that process like, going to see your creation slowly build and get made in front of you, you know, from a sketch to a thing that's tangible that you can see and touch? Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was cool. It was, it was very cool to do it. Um, but I was working on other stuff at the time. So, in fact, it wasn't until I saw the thing in the street, in the set, right. where I kind of felt like, ah, this is, this is, we've arrived. You know, yeah. it, it was a slow process, or felt slow. Actually, by today's standard, it was very quick. Um, but we, we, all were, we, all were, we were on the same page, so that was good. And uh, Terry Ackland Snow, he, he was the guy who was art directing it, and he came up with some great ideas, design ideas for, for the car. Um, like the uh, the petrol caps. I don't know uh-huh. if you remember the petrol yeah, caps. I do, yeah. But they they just come from a London Route Master bus. <laughs> no you know, way. I, I wow. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I had designed this rather over elaborate sort of bat shaped petrol cap, and he just said, "No, we use oh. this." And of course, it looked, it looked perfect because it's quite a brutal yeah. bit of chunk of metal. Yeah. And also, he came up with the, the the headlights, and he came up with the idea of the the Ferrari lights at the back. Right, right, okay. Um, Did you yeah, design the of, cocoon kind of for the car as well? Sorry. Did you design the cocoon arrangement for the car when it has? Its... Yes, yes, the illogical cocoon. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not sure quite where it comes from in the car. It just spreads, doesn't it? It's like a big yes. Well, it, this, it, it's, I, can, I seem to remember the script was quite vague about how the shielding worked. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't remember. I can't remember doing very many other iterations for it. Um, but along the side of the Batmobile, there's, there's like these three gills. Yeah. I don't know if you yeah. remember. On the front, there's kind of these three gills, um, which is a motif taken from a Corvette Stingray, the old Corvette okay. Stingray, um, from the from a, late 50s, maybe early 60s. But for some reason, I put that, that motif on the very front of the cocoon. It seems to have sort of evolved its way up the car. I don't know. It was mad. But the, I, I, I had the idea, and I, I, I spoke to Anton and Tim about this. I said that when it... When it cocoons, it should do so very quickly because you mechanically doesn't really make sense. If you have it do, do going quick, ka-chunk, 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 yeah. you can sort of get away with it. And I stole that idea from a old 50s, famous 50s science fiction movie, Forbidden Planet. Right. Now, I don't know oh, if okay. you've seen that, but in that, they, uh, the, uh, I think it's Morf- Morbius, is it, that the doctor? I can't remember the guy's name. He has this sort of defense, these defenses around his house, which do exactly that. They go, ka-chunk, right. ka-chunk, ka-chunk. and it was just done with very simple animation. And that's uh, that idea and that rhythm came from Forbidden Planet. Mm. That oh, has okay, a very cool. kind of alien vibe to it, that that cocoon I always felt. It's that similar to the 
kind of the alien what is it shell shell yeah the, you know that yeah, stuff yeah. they have on the walls and yeah, yeah well it's it's, it's, gave me that it's highly possible i had that in mind because i was obsessed with alien since it came out so yeah so with with the batwing then you had another shot and another vehicle how did that happen well, I think because the by that stage the car was kind of coming along without you know, without any of my input, I was put onto that, um, and I came up with some rather weird designs at first. I had I was thinking of kind of like microlights, you know, the, you get these uh, hang gliders and microlights yeah. with these sort of wings, but a sort of a solid version of that. Um, and they weren't really working. It was, it was, it was kind of. I was kind of finding it hard to get a sort of a motif that felt like the car, like it had been built by the same people. Right. Um, and I remember going up to town to a shop in Oxford Circus, which specialised in transport books and in there i found a book on stealth airplanes um and you have to remember that back then the the, the, the stealth aircraft we know like the b2 spirit and the f117 nighthawk they weren't they hadn't been released to the public they existed but they were they were top secret mm-hmm. so all of the images in this book were kind of artist impressions of what they might look look like and um i remember there was a few images where the the wings were almost like an oval hmm. with a, a point coming out the front so i thought to myself well let's get rid of the front we've almost got a flying saucer hmm. and then i thought we're almost this is almost the bat symbol here yeah yeah um so I, I remember doing a little sketch, very very simple sketch, of the of a bat wing shape, of the bat the bat symbol shape I should say, in front of the moon. And I thought this might be something, an image that could be used in the film. You know, it's a, just strengthening that sort of Batman sort of motif. Hang on. So did you by doing this and doing that in front of the moon? Is that where that scene? Is that what inspired that scene in the movie? Well, it was the germ of it. I was thinking more of the bat symbol, you know, when the the, the big floodlight. Yeah. Yes. When they use a, I was thinking more along those lines. I see. But, but later on, I, I remember having a discussion. I did a little bit of storyboarding towards the end of the movie. And I had a discussion with Michael White, who was the main storyboard artist on the film. And I said, it would be great to have a camera move where you could have the jet be in front of the moon. And he said, well, why don't we do a shot where it stalls in front of the moon? I thought, well, that's perfect. That's yeah. So it was actually Michael White who came up with the idea of right, sitting okay. and stalling it in front of the moon. Because that scene is just, yeah. it's so iconic to me. Like when I was yes. a kid, I owned because I'm a big score guy as well, and Danny Elfman's score for that movie is just incredible. And I owned the CD and the vinyl, and like all these different things had that image on it. And it was like wherever you went, 
there was that you know and you would see like trailers or clips still to this day if you wanted to watch like a trailer for batman 89 someone's editing on youtube or it's it's always used that scene is always used because it's just it is batman just in a second like you could show that to anyone not show them any other clip of the film and go what's that film about and they go batman it's just obvious it's brilliant i love it yeah, it worked. I, I can remember seeing it in a cinema um, when it you know when it came out. I took my took my mum, I know I took my grandmother to see it, and uh, I can remember the reaction, the the big reactions that um, I I remember because it, it was me. You know, I was thinking about my impact was when the, the when you first see the Batmobile, that beauty shot outside yeah. the Flugelheim Museum, and that shot of the, the of the Batwing. Uh, sort of coming in front of the moon and that sort of got a sort of a, a laugh it got, got a good laugh actually because it was kind of like it was so obvious that that should be in the film right uh, seeing as you have this bat symbol effectively in the form of the jet so yeah that, that those yeah they got good reactions those 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 shots so i was and very they were pleased. miniatures right the the bat wing how like how big was the bat wing that was used in the film well um the Batwing models were in about three or four different sizes. Right. Um, there was there was a one that was about sort of twelve feet in diameter, and there was a there was one that was about two feet in diameter, and I think there was a much smaller one which was used mm. for that shot. I think um, I'm sure there's plenty of other people in the model who were sort of building in the in, in the model department who'd be able to tell you the different sizes yeah i've seen all the different sized batmen sitting in the cockpit as well and you had more detailed batman face for the bigger one and obviously there was a lot more paint design and like scratches or it looked like a proper close-up model yeah and then there were smaller ones that were used for the you know the wide shots or the quick shots yes when you see it sort of flying across the city yeah and when it's sort of dragging away the, the balloons, I think that one was quite small. I mean, so that scene, the thing that always stands out to me besides the Batwing and the score that goes with it, which is just incredible, is just the camera work and the cinematography in that scene. I mean, as a kid, I never knew that was a model, right? And I didn't really realise until I became sort of late teenager and everything and kind of understood because it just was so believable and it just really looked like that's that that that's a plane that's actually flying and for 1989 as well it's an incredible feat to accomplish you know i know that superman was your believer man can fly and obviously christopher christopher reeve looked like he was flying because he was on wires and such but to take a plane like that and put it into a film and it doesn't exist. Like there's not like, Oh, I've seen planes fly. So I can, you know, I can imagine that's a, a real plane. You know, I just never questioned it as a kid. I was like that, that yeah. is a real plane. Well, the, the, the funny thing is about that movie is you can still watch it. And there's something sort of, there's something artificial about the whole thing. I mean, you wouldn't have a city that looked like that. I don't think. Yeah. Um, so it's it's it, 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 it's kind of it all kind of works because there is an element of hyper reality to it in a sense. Um, so 
you, you kind of you can kind of forgive even watching it now that the the effects aren't you know of the of the the, the quality that you would have now because everyone's engaged in the story. I'm always um, I'm always very aware of that watching films now is that or, or a film like Aliens, for instance, which I was watching just last night. Um, there's a there's a crash scene in that where where the drop ship is sort of yeah. tumbling across the landscape, and it yeah. actually doesn't look real, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, because I know what you mean. In the characters by then, it's like, well, we understand that this is a crash. You, I'm, I'm sure you could do that better now. Although I would prefer to see a model than CG so would, because it's so would I, lovely yeah. chaos. Same. There's lovely chaos to it, and and that's that's true of the miniatures in Batman. You know, you have it smashing along the road. So that that's crashes. a good point. That that actually helps um, me with my example. Is that the alien sequence where? the spaceship crashes and tumbles and you're seeing it and everybody's running from it. And then that's the game over, man. And that whole sequence yeah, yeah. that I, that I could tell is a model, right? I've always known that's a model when the bat plane crashed, when Joker shoots it down, there is only one moment that I can tell that it's a model. Otherwise the way it's shot, it looks like Batman's going down. There's close-ups of Keaton, like in the cockpit as well with flames around like the, the shot choices in that really does look like it. There's only one bit where he it kind of slides past some parked cars, and you can tell, oh, those parked cars are a model. Yeah. Otherwise, it looks really, it does really look like that plane went down, just the way it's shot. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's an amazing sequence. Were you, so were you on set a lot for uh, the 89 film? I, I wasn't on set much at all. I, I would go and, I mean, Anton would encourage me to go and see all the sets. Um, the I remember going inside the uh, the art gallery, which was a beautiful set. I knew they're all beautiful sets, and yeah. and I wish I had spent more time going around them. But I don't remember spending too much time watching shooting or anything like that. But I do remember going up to the back lot, as I mentioned earlier, and they, they were doing a night shoot. And Anton said, you should go up there. The Batman, the Batmobile's on the street. And I walked up there and it was all dressed and it was all beautifully lit, the whole street. And there was smoke coming out of the uh, manhole covers in the road. And it all looked very atmospheric and everybody was in costume. Um, and I remember walking up the street and I was like, well, where is the Batmobile? Where, where is it? And I couldn't see it. And I actually walked past it oh. because it was so, it was so <laughs> dark. And it was so because because it was like in the context of the street that the and it's sitting next to other real cars. It wasn't that much bigger than most of the other cars that were sitting on the street because we had some big American cars. Mm. So I, I, I even though I was on the other side of the road, I actually walked past it. But when I saw it sitting there, it was like it was great just sort of seeing it with all the light kicking off it because they did such a beautiful paint job on that film yeah. on the car. It looked like. It was like a it was like a purple, like the purple you get on sort of beetles. If you look at sort of like, uh, oh, I know what you mean. Yes. Yeah, and they did a beautiful job, and they were constantly polishing it. And actually, as they polished it, it sort of started to go brown over the course of the film. And I think they must have repainted it. Wow. Because when it when it first looked in that in that street, it just looked it looked just it looked great. It's and, nice. and um all of the add-ons for the car that were put on there by um, the special effects people. 
Um, there's a lot of stuff like there's a lot of sort of pipe chutney going on on the side of the car underneath the cockpit, which they which I had nothing to do with. Um, and, but they did a really lovely job there. And, and I think I read it was maybe on your Instagram page that Batman's ears didn't fit in the car. Yeah. Was that right to start with? <laughs> is it well, all... the thing was is that although they measured Michael Keaton to sit in it, obviously when it was done, it wasn't thinking about the ears as well. So when yeah. they first sat him in the car, as the uh, cockpit rolled up the bonnet, it, it, the little ears were sticking <laughs> through the gap. Um, and not they, very they cool, had... Batman, not very cool. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know whether they were, what the finger pointing was at that point, but I sort of thought, oh shit, well, you know, why did I make the car so low? You know? <laughs> um, but I think they made the seat lower, and they also they also changed the costume and made shorter ears. So I expect the costume people weren't too happy with uh, <laughs> with <laughs> that little slip up because so probably somebody had to work overnight to redo the the helmet. And how right, so did, how drivable so, was the car? Like, could could you have just you know taken it out into into London? I think it or? was pretty straightforward. I think it was pretty straightforward. Yeah, I, I remember sitting in it, but I don't remember. I don't think I would drive around in it. I mean, I, obviously, I didn't drive it, but yeah. I didn't wasn't in the passenger seat. But uh, it could go pretty. It could go pretty fast. That's cool. Um, yeah. Uh, it was because uh, you know there's that sort of sequence in it where he leaves the city and heads off toward um, Wayne Manor, and you see yeah. it going through the woods. I think they got it up to seventy or eighty miles an hour. Wow! And of course, with the right lens, if you've got a if you've got a good wide angle lens, it seems yeah. to disappear even yeah. faster it, than yeah. With, with that sequence, you've got leaves going everywhere and light coming through the trees, and it's just whipping down this wet road. Yeah, it's a great sequence. It looks really good, and it's a, uh, such a contrast to the rest of the movie as well. It sort of feels almost dreamlike in relation. Yes, to yes, I think yeah. I, I, I think that I, I, I can remember seeing that scene, and not just because I was involved in the car, but I felt exactly like that. It was dreamlike, and there's a yeah. great shot of of Vicky Vale. Just kind of like she seems to be sort of like, what the fuck is going on around yeah. here? <laughs> she sort of puts her head in her hand, and I thought it was a great bit of acting actually, because it was like she's been plunged into this kind of lunatic world, you know, mm, and yeah. she's just having to deal with it, you know. The name um, of the score actually that plays over that scene is called Descent into Mystery. So even Danny Elfman knew it was. Well, like, yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. He understood what the scene was about as well. And certainly Tim. You mentioned Tim um, and you said that he would always look over people's shoulders and stuff. Did you have any other interactions with Tim Burton that you can remember? Well, he was very often up in the art department. He was very, very hands-on. He had a a very clear idea of what he wanted to see. Um, I do remember everything that I showed him that he liked from the vehicles to the, all of the, um, utility belt stuff he would do this little giggle and you right. knew when he did this giggle that that was <laughs> that you were going down the right path mm. i distinctly remember that with the with the cowling that we talked about earlier the armor plated batmobile he he really responded to that so with the with the utility belt you mentioned uh the grappling gun specifically how did 
that all come to you and the design and what what inspired the grappling gun i can't remember how it came in the order of things i think it came after doing the batwing sketches but i seem to remember that the uh the sort of doctrine for it was that no none of the gadgets should be bigger than a cassette tape case so we're going back in time where anybody can remember what a cassette tape looks like yeah and the size of it so i literally drew round i think a b52's cassette that i had in the room and um and did everything to to scale that was something i could could do to scale because there right. It was right there and I, I was struggling with the idea of doing grappling hooks that small. So I thought to myself, well, maybe we need to have two pieces to this in separate, you know, in, in separate uh, compartments to the belt that he puts together. That's my recollection of, of, of how that came about. But most of the look of that was from the city, from the way that the city looked. Um, lots of the buildings. If you look at um, there's a there's a fantastic architect called Shin Takamatsu who was very instrumental in being a sort of an influence to the way that uh, that film looked. Which um, and I looked at those his drawings as well. Shin Takamatsu used to do these beautiful pencil drawings, um, and I basically looked at those and tried to use those sort of images for the mechanics of these little instruments with like you know, ducting and little slats here and there. Because it comes around on the belt. A lot of his gadgets, especially the grappling hook, it like has this almost like rotation, like it's at the back of the belt. And then yeah. So was that anything that when you were creating it, that you were involved in, or is that something that came after you designed the belt? It? The belt was a, completely a costume thing as far as I remember. Um, so I I was just providing those things. Um, but yes, now you now you mention it, it's it's reminded me that they didn't have they didn't all have like a box that they sat in. They just came around the the, yeah. the, the belt, didn't they? It's yeah. almost like yeah. he had everything on his back and the belt was just a, a belt there for show and then it would just rotate around which for the film you know i think worked great but as far as utility belts go it's not the most <laughs> practicable yeah yeah exactly yeah but i think probably probably with uh tim burton's animation background he was quite happy to do that in the same way that we're happy with tom and jerry just reaching behind his back and pulling out a giant stick of dynamite you know yeah yeah, yeah it's a good it's point. That sort of same sort of vibe and you did a sketch of the, the symbol, didn't you, on, on the back, on the actual suit? There was a sketch you put up, I think, nice shaded symbol sketch, and you designed that as well. Is that right? Yeah, that wasn't for his chest plate. Right. That was, again, that was a, a costume, probably costume props thing. But the, that, that image that I had was toward the end of the production, we just put a, a sort of like a a presentation booklet for the producers and, and Warner Brothers in the States. And Anton just wanted a cover for it. Hmm. And rather than just stick, you know, the word sort of Batman on the front, we, we did we did that symbol. 
And I just sort of thought it wouldn't be great if we had it sort of like a, this metallic. I thought of thought of almost like a medal. Yeah. You know? Um. So yeah. So I I try I did again with the crayons. Tried to get the look of it being stainless steel and bronze. Mm. And that went off to the states. And I remember a few weeks later. I think it was probably when I was doing storyboarding towards the end of the film production. And I just said, here, look what's come back from the States. And I said, what, what are these? And he said, well, this is this is the poster design. Yeah. And uh, there were several different sort of iterations based on that thing. But I, wow. I, as I stress, it, that wasn't my symbol design. That logo existed as a DC thing already. Yeah, I, yeah. I just um, put that sort of metallic. But your, yeah, metallic representation yeah, was... yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. I mean, that was in every kid's bedroom, man. That was in mine. That was in, yeah. you know, it was it was, it was that fever. Yeah, exactly. And you know, as you said, that's DC's symbol. But that tweak of the bronze and everything, that's that's solely identified for the '89 movie. If you see <laughs> a number of different bat signals, if you see the one with the bronze, you're like, oh, that's the Keaton symbol for '89. Mm. And and yeah. then obviously it was different for Returns because it had like the snowy white and yes, it was white wasn't yes. it? Yeah, yeah. So speaking of Returns, did you do any work on the sequel? No, uh, the uh, they I think we want to spend a lot of money keeping the set up of Gotham at Pinewood, but I think that there was a big fluctuation in the pound versus versus the dollar right? in the next couple of years. And I think that they thought it would be cheaper to make in the States. It may have been that. It may have been Michael Keaton, for all I know. Sometimes these movies get made on people's doorsteps because the, 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 the actor says so. But yeah. uh, I, I, as far as I remember, it was a financial decision. But I'm sure right. you can. I'm sure it would be nice if it. I don't know even if it exists, but I've got several books of making of this film, making of that film. But there's not a there's not a big comprehensive book of Batman, as far as I know. Maybe you know different. I remember having what? a a move Batman the movie book, which came out around that time, and I think it might yeah. have one of your designs in it. Um, and that I remember came out, but it's quite thin. It's more of a kind of. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not that comprehensive, I suppose. Yeah, I do yeah. it would be nice that. to have a. It would be nice to have a one which was full of sort of interviews from every department. Yeah. Uh, to get a little bit more of a rounded view of stuff, because my view of it is is one thing, but it, it, people, you know, others. It's like, for instance, on Aliens. I just remember it being a great fun thing to be involved in, but yeah, I saw a documentary not lot not long ago where they were saying, "Oh, it was terrible production." Because the, the production, uh, uh, James Cameron was at loggerheads with, you know, the production and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't remember any of that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I, I saw that as well. That's the ILM one, isn't it? Um, on, on I don't know. Cross. I mean, I remember, I remember uh, Derek Cracknell, who was the first AD, being fired, but then he was reinstated very, very quickly. Right. But, okay. but the vast majority of the stuff which you took, which you see in these modern documents, I. I was like not aware of, and the same may be true on Batman. So I'm just talking about my perspective of stuff. Yeah, of course. And no, I, yeah. I, I, I love to hear it. That's, that's why you're on. Um, so did the grappling gun ever work? 
was it functioning at all? Or was it just like there's a harpoon in at one point and then trickery by the camera the next? That's that's a question for special special effects, Johnny Evans's department. Gotcha. By the time those things, he Johnny Evans showed me them all finished, and they were really beautifully finished. But I never saw them going on, on stage or being shot on. But back then, the nice thing was you did get to go to the rushes and see what was being shot the day before, which is mm. something you don't do so much of now. And I think the last time I saw rushes was on. Rogue One, and it wasn't really rushes. It was like a presentation reel of stuff that uh, Gareth Edwards had shot. That was very exciting, and and we it was was exciting to to go to rushes. But as I say, I haven't gone to rushes for for a long time. And when you're working on, I mean, Aliens is a good example because you were wearing alien costumes at times, right? Like, did you have any idea of you know the the scope, how how big these movies would be, or you just you just hope for the best? Well, the funny thing was with Aliens um, was I was very grateful for the work, obviously. I was very excited to be doing a sequel to Alien because Alien is still in my top ten movies of all time. Um, But when I read the script, I was like, I'm not sure this is going to work because it feels too American and there's lots of, like, you know, badass, the Hudson character in on the page. I didn't think it was going to work, but Bill yeah. Paxton was genius in that film. Yeah. So I had my misgivings, but it wasn't until I was excited by elements of it. But I can rem- the, the the first time I remember thinking this is going to be huge was Julian, come on the stage. You've got to help operate the Queen. So yeah. okay, so I went over there, and you know you've got the handles. Somebody's operating the jaw, somebody's operating fingers, etc. But you went on the set and it was all lit and it was all mist everywhere. And the power loader st- stood there in front of the, the queen. And it was just epic just to look at it. You know, I just went, this is going to be huge. Yeah. And uh, wow. The rest is history. You know? There was another picture, I think, of you look like they were testing out the. Was it the te- Queen's tail coming through? Bishop yeah, I was the dog's body on that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I was the deepest guy in the films. Like, you stand there and we'll cover you in X, Y, yeah. and Z. Rip you in half. Yes, yeah. it was. It was. It was good fun. It was. It was great fun. Well, next time I watch Aliens, I'm just going to think about you controlling certain parts when I'm watching now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> at the end of Aliens, they ran out of money. As far as I know, Fox was like wanted Cameron to stop shooting and he paid for I think three or four weeks out of his own pocket on L&M stages at the Pinewood right and he had like a very skeletal crew yeah all the Americans had gone home and uh we did lots of little sort of uh, cutting shots of things like the face huggers in the in the shower you know when the, the water's coming down the yeah the, the uh, fire showers and stuff like that, and um, the chase away from the um, colony through the, the air ducts. They had a bit of this set up, and um, James Cameron was just wandering around, sort of like looking at who was doing the least. You know, like a lot of the a lot of the the hand shots of 
Ripley operating the power load, our a friend of mine, Nigel Booth. All right. Because his hands, he, he was like James Cameron, just wandering around, look at people's hands. And he's like, show me your hands, show me your hands. Yeah, you, you're the best fit for this. So that's, <laughs> you know. And then on this particular occasion, me standing next to this duct, this air duct, says, Julian, what are you doing? I said, uh, I don't know. He says, get into that alien outfit. What? Yeah. You get into that alien outfit and come back here and we'll shoot you. You'll be the alien. Yeah. So I went upstairs. And yes, James Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I, I go into this this outfit, which is incredibly uncomfortable. So I've got nothing but respect for all the stuntmen who had to wear those all the time. Yeah. Um, and uh, climbed <laughs> climbed into this duct, and it's the shot where Vasquez pins the the head of the alien to the wall and shoots it in the head. And uh, by then, of course, the actress. Jeanette Goldstein. Yes, she'd gone home. So the the stunt stunt woman played her part, and I think actually Galen Heard played Vasquez at one point. Right. Um, so I was in there, and my friend Nigel, who was Ripley's hand double, was putting like KY jelly all over my head <laughs> with a brush. Yeah. And James Cameron came by and just picked up the bucket and said, Nigel, you've got to have an attitude about this, and just threw the entire bucket of KY all over me. Wow. Which was actually quite a relief because the, the lights were actually really hot. So it was kind of like having a cold shower. Brilliant. But uh, that was kind of a little bit of a magic moment. And I, I'm, you, I appear for about three seconds in the film, my three seconds of fame. Absolutely. <laughs> That's very cool. So – with with the Batmobile from 1989 all the way to 2023, yeah, we have recently seen it again on the big screen, and you were involved in that. What 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 did you do for the Flash? Um, the Flash, I I didn't I didn't come on it on it till a little bit later in the production. Um, I was involved in the Black Site. Right, the uh, Russian black site. Right, um, okay. That they visit in. I, I think it's in the Urals or somewhere. I can't remember. Somewhere like yeah, yeah, somewhere yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. They're yes, they're, we, they're looking for Superman, which ends up being Supergirl. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert for those who haven't seen it. Spoiler but, alert um, for those who haven't seen it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, but I I was doing that that journey. Um, when when Batman and the two, what's his net character's name? Flash. Flash? Barry. What's his, oh, Barry yeah, Allen. There's, there's the two Barrys, aren't there? Oh, yeah. Right Barrys, there. yeah. I sort of did their journey through the black site. So I, for the first thing I did was the actual structure with the two silos that open. Right. Um did that for a few weeks till we sort of finished and found what we wanted and the script requirements. And then I got involved in doing the sort of catacombs below that. And finally the, the containment chamber where patient A is being held prisoner. Um, But that was quite, that was quite a lot of work. That was quite a few months of work figuring that out. And the great part about that was knowing that it was, largely going to be constructed um, yeah. for real 
Um, and uh, um, I remember Paul. One of the few me- scenes in the film that I felt like was real and not uh, CG fabrication, to be honest with you. Well, there you go. Yeah. You know, um, the, whole, you the, whole finale, the whole finale, without spoiling anything, is clearly not in a desert. It's clearly on a, on a green screen <laughs> and it looks Ooh. so fake. And yeah, the, there's a lot of CG controversy for this film. I don't know if you've seen it going around, but that scene with Batman and the two flashes going to into that facility, no one has said anything but but good things about that scene because it gives you one of the coolest Michael Keaton Batman moments for him to return, which is him yeah. coming down and using your grappling gun that you helped design to take mm-hmm. down a bunch of like Russian or Eastern European guys, wherever they're from and basically fuck people up. And it looks so cool. To, and you got mm. the score playing. Cool. Yeah, it did. It was a great sequence for the film. Um, well, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah. 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 I'd be interested to know what you think from, again, from seeing your designs or concepts come to life in front of you, like you did back in 1989 or all these other films you worked on. Well, the thing is, is that CG has its place and I'm a massive fan of um, the, uh, the, the recent Avatar movie that Cameron did. I mean, I was absolutely blown away by the scope of that thing, but it absolutely works for all of that that world that, that he's created for that. Yes, sure. Um, but you, you, with a movie like this, it becomes tricky because you have people doing impossible things like running so fast, yeah. et cetera, like that. It, you, you can't really do them in any way except that the way that they've done them. There's many ele- elements to consider in these things is that I know that Paul Osterbury, the designer, wanted to do the Batcave for real. And if you look at the 1989 version, the Batcave is seen quite sparsely. Yeah. And there's yes. a wide shot, which is, a, I believe it's a map painting, which was, I think the painting was designed by Nigel. I don't know who actually executed the, the, uh, the map painting. But um, I think that uh, he understood that having the cave be all real, even though it was a huge set, would probably be cheaper than actually doing the whole thing as a, as a CG. I think it goes back to what you were saying about the sort of the, that we forgive models. It's just, there's this tactile quality to them, isn't there? There's they're real. And so we, I think they're more believable than some of the CGI environments that are created. I mean, in avatar two, you know, you, it's all this again, a kind of hyper real world. So it works very well, but finding a balance in, other movies, I think it must be very difficult. Well, it's it's probably it's probably the, the best visual effects I've ever seen. They've had a schedule that they can do properly. I don't know what the schedule for the visual effects were on the Flash, yeah. but I'm sure they've got plenty of brilliant technicians on it. Hmm. Yeah. Well, the thing the, the the thing with CG is that because I I actually used to to work in CG production uh, for many years in London. And one thing that all of my artists would always say was the thing about bad CG is that you notice it and it's always pointed out and it's always talked about. But if it's good CG, the whole point is it looks real. So you don't even know it's CG. So it never gets credit. You never get credit for producing something no, that's so realistic. No, 
Yeah, and that was something the artist yeah. said, and that makes a lot of sense to me because that's that's a hard field to be in when you do such good work. People don't even know it's they take it for granted. They take it for granted exactly. Yeah, and also the digital quality that you're getting nowadays is you're dealing with a lot more pixels than you were dealing with ten years ago as well. Yeah. So there's a lot more. There's a lot of it's it's a it's it is a bit of a minefield. But if you've got if you if you're if you're making a film like Gravity, with the amount of time that took and the amount of money that it cost and the amount of you know frame store were working on that for yeah like well over a year as far as I know yeah and it shows because it's absolutely incredible visual effects does look incredible um, and then you've got another film like Casino Royale for instance and it's what you were talking about earlier there's loads of uh, visual effects in that uh, uh, um, digital. Yep, visual effects and that which people aren't aware of. Yeah, have you worked on any Bond films, Julian? I, I worked on Casino Royale. Yeah. Okay, so that is well. Okay, most of the listeners that are listening now know I'm a massive James Bond fan, um, and that is the film that really just pushed and heightened my fandom to a whole new level for the Bond franchise. For me, it's always been Bond and Batman. Those have been, you know, my two favorite franchises. Right. Those have been, those have been my guys. Um, Casino Royale is just a, is a brilliant film and uh, is a, uh, is a great example of perfect mixture of both sets and models or real tangible uh, special effects and then CG and, and digital effects as well. And, the blend is perfect, I think, in that film. It just it works so well. What yeah. what did what were you involved in on Casino Royale then? Um, I was doing. I at the beginning of that, we were figuring out the construction site scene at the beginning. The chase sequence. The chase sequence. Yes, um, I know that Peter Lamont, the designer, had a lot of trouble finding locations. Uh, for the whole movie, actually, but because that was Bahamas, he, wasn't it? Yeah, being, but the thing yeah. is, he'd worked out in the Bahamas before, and had of remembered course. this this unfinished hotel. Yeah, and I don't know whether he knew that it was still there, or whether he made some phone calls to find out if it was still there. But it it, it saved a ton of money because of obviously having to create that set from the ground up would have been prohibitively expensive yeah yeah um what they did do was add um a lot of the um eye beams in the front of that concrete structure and the the cranes themselves but you had this most of the set was there it was effectively a location an addressed mm -hmm. location um but what i did what I was tasked with was taking information that I'd got from uh, Stephen Lawrence, who's one of the art directors. He'd been out to the Bahamas and measured the site up, and I created that in 3D. Wow. In Lightwave, and textured it and rendered it and did a little sort of film. Now, mm. the purpose of doing that little film was that the director, Martin Campbell, couldn't go on location at the time because he was tied up with um, doing publicity for Mask of Zorro. Right. Oh, one of my favourite um, films. I love that movie it, so it much. Might have been, what, it was at the sequel. The sequel was... Oh, it was Legend of Zorro. Legend of Zorro. Legend. It was Legend yeah. of Zorro. He was doing... Not, the, not as good, but still, yeah. Not okay. as good, but not bad. Still decent. Um, 
but he was doing the the, uh, the publicity for that. So I had done this film to as a, as a, it was kind of like a a walk through the buildings so that he could see get an idea for the parkour sequence that the path that he would take. Uh, you can see that film on my um, crop website. It's very primitive, but you can see from it where they went, you know, as it's jumping off point, as it were. Excuse the pun. And uh, when he saw that, when when Martin saw that, when he came back from his publicity, he was like, well, yes, let's do it there. And uh, it went down very well. And Peter... Lamont and Simon Lamont were very grateful for it being there to sort of be a shorthand to okay the idea of of going there. And I I, I think I used some music for the born identity over it. Right. <laughs> oh right. <laughs> well, of, you, know, you know those, those yeah those Craig films, especially uh, Quantum of Solace, took a lot of inspiration from the born franchise. So it's been yeah. the way they were shot. Um, so well, the way that they were edited, fitting. certainly. Yeah, the way that they edited, were edited, yeah. yeah. I yeah. don't know who was the editor for both. I think it was Stuart Baird, wasn't it? For the he was different editors. Um, yeah, but same writers. Um, yeah, Neil uh, Purvis and Wade. Yeah, yeah. But they then after that we did Africa. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a there's the park behind Pinewood is uh, called Black Park. Oh, so that sequence at the beginning where um, you've got Mads Mikkelsen like basically meeting with the guys trying to get money and invest and all of yeah. that. So that's all shot. Uh, uh, that's Pine all Black Park. Yeah. Right. Wow. wow. <laughs> they did a great job on that because I was it like, is. when they shoot it there, I was like, <laughs> Peter was like, no, it'll be it'll be fine. We'll just dress it with a few, you know, we'll dress it with a few um, palm trees, and everybody will their their eyes will be drawn to those things. They won't be drawn to the oaks and all this sort of stuff. But there's like a little bald spot in the middle of Black Park, and again, there's an illustration on my crop site which you can see. And I, I took some photographs. We we went. I went out with Peter onto the into the park and he said well, we're going to shoot it from here and we'll build this here and build that there he said when it's raining you know it'll be raining you won't see into the distance you won't see the pine trees in the background and he covered it in like loads of mud like yeah. red mud and uh i i think most people who didn't know who didn't know would you know thought it had been done in the Congo or something like uh, that? It yeah, I, I thought that was I thought that was on location. I didn't think it. Maybe I thought it was in Africa, but I thought that was location. I didn't know it was Black Park. That's crazy. That's cool. But that's kind of you know part of my job is like helping to convince directors that yeah yeah you can dress something and make it look like this. And 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 one of that that was kind of one of my favourite examples of doing it. I think I did two or three illustrations of it, of, of of what that would look like. And you know, there would be a parked helicopter and things burning, like uh, you know, oil drums burning and stuff like that. And there was uh, at the aeroplane scene, which I did some work on that. That went on for a little while, and uh, I did some gadgets on that one as well. There was a uh, there was the if you remember the gun which he puts there was a chip gun that they put in Bond's arm. Yeah. And the case. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, the, yes, the tracking was, uh, device. 
Yes, that was that was something that I did, but which which again I've had a scale problem. Obviously, I've still still got this bit of a scale problem. The gun was massive when it turned out, but I I didn't scale it, and it it sat perfectly in the case. But when you see the gun handling it, it feels massive. I wanted it to be sort of quite a little thing, but actually it didn't matter because it looked like it hurt him. You know, yeah, it did it look did. really painful? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, especially the way he goes, ow, when it goes in. Yeah, that's great. Oh, that's amazing. No, no, he doesn't. So, Julian, what are you working on now? Well, I've just finished a stint on uh, Gladiator 2, which is kind of in the middle of production. I was doing props on that. That was a a good, fun job. But at the beginning of that, I was completely out of my comfort zone. Wow. designing chairs and tables and things like that, which I haven't really done before. Um, they quite complicated sort of skulks. There's like um, thrones and stuff like that. Mm. But I was working for Ty Tiger, who I've worked with before. He, I worked with him on Judge Dredd. He's a smashing bloke. And, uh, what, the Stallone Judge Dredd? The Stallone Judge Dredd, yes. Man, I feel Judge like Dredd. I you just you're just chucking out all these films like, oh yeah, so I worked on Judge Dredd as well. I mean yeah. just quickly, well, a, what, what did you do logic. on Judge Dredd? And my listen, the listeners are gonna be like, no, ask him about Judge Dredd. What yeah, did they you like do on comics, Dredd? Don't they, the yeah. Well, I was doing all the weapons on that. Oh I what, the guns. Most of the weapons. It's I, the I did bit. work on yeah. on the lawgiver, but the lawgiver design original design was Kev Walker. He was a comic artist. He did stuff on 2000 AD. He came up with the original design with the sort of nice little red lights on it. But yeah. what I had to do was uh, model it over a Beretta, a real pistol. Mm, right. Um, so there was that. But the rest of the guns, were I think they were over AK-47s. All of them had to be clad over real uh, blank firing weapons. Right. right, but all the ju- so, all the judges had the Berettas or the version of the Beretta. Yes, correct. Yeah. but you nowadays you can do practically anything gun wise because obviously you can do visual effects of the muzzle flash, etc. But back then, I, I think it was it would have been prohibitively expensive to do all the visual effects of the muzzle flashes. So that was the plan on that, mm. which is why they're all quite bulky guns. But I didn't mind because I thought that felt like. It was true to the comics because yeah. the comics have insane guns, don't they? Yeah, they're really chunky. Yeah, absolutely. Because they've got the logic... like twelve different modes of firing, so that makes mm. sense. But the um, the logic behind that is that Nigel went on to become a production designer after Batman, and we remained friends. So when um, Judge Dredd came up, he he called me. And uh, I was like, great. I think I'd been doing, I think I'd been working on something else. So I didn't come in on the beginning, but I came on later on. And uh, I hadn't, this was before computers. So I was doing a lot of, uh, uh, you know, marker pen images of, mm. of the guns. There's a lot of matte painting in that movie as well with CG effects, but a lot of matte paint backgrounds I remember as well. Yes, there was some early CG done of the city. Yeah. yeah. Um, some shots working more successfully than others, but uh, the oh gosh, what was the point I was going to make? Oh yes, I was going to make a point about the importance of seeing these objects in in three D. Now that I'm doing 
3D using 3D software, you can sort of walk around your your object or your set and get an idea of what will be seen from a particular angle with a particular lens. But when I was doing the stuff on the Lawgiver, because I was just doing it in plan section elevation, I didn't realise when somebody made a mock-up how how brick-like it was. And it didn't have very much elegance. And I remember going to Joss Williams, who was the special effects guy on that, I said, is I'd really like to change the bottom of the barrel of that because it's 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 kind of flat. Yeah, I wanted it to be round, a bit more like the the Blade Runner gun. Yeah. Um, you know, Deckard's gun. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, it's already gone in the mould, mate. So you kind of have to, the, 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 what you some, sometimes see is like, I had some guy on uh, Instagram saying how much he loved that gun. When I look at it, I always go, I, if I'd just done that a few hours earlier, it would have looked better. You know, if, if I'd managed to figure out in, in 3D what how chunky it was going to look. I do remember we just built everything in polyfoam. Yeah. And uh, when you when you see them in actual three dimensions versus seeing it on a planned section of elevation on a flat piece of paper, it's a very different thing. So we, yeah. I remember we did these things, and some of them looked just ridiculous. They were like the Zeppelins. You know. <laughs> and so we, we'd gone way too far. So it's like we need to dial it down. So that's a great advantage of, of being able to use uh, 3D software. I wondered, uh, you've talked a, a lot about the different things you've worked on. Was there any particularly memorable or rewarding unveiling of your concepts that you remember? Well, I, I would say that that, that one would go to Batman because yeah. uh, seeing the Batman, seeing the Batmobile, that, that whole sequence, it, 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 there's a little that sequence where, you, where Batman comes through the ceiling of uh, of the Flugelheim, and he's holding the what do you the hell do you call that thing? Grab well, it, it's like oh, the one yeah, that goes like, two ways. Yeah, it's like um, oh, what is that called? Where you slide down it almost with the, you know, like, yeah, like a line. zip line, zip line. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's a zip line. Thing. I, I called it a grappling hook on my drawings. Right, that was very satisfying because talking about interactions with with Tim. He and Anton had asked me to do this thing, and it had been explained in the script that it sort of unfolds into this zip wire. I said, I think that my original design was quite big and bulky, and it had to be truncated because Tim said, well, look, he can't stand there in front of the Joker and start unfolding this thing and putting it on his arm. Because <laughs> he'd be shot dead, you know. Which of course That'd be was an correct. amazing sequence. Just Batman, like, hang <laughs> on, on one more second. Three or five minutes. This is, you're you're going to like this. Just wait. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there was that thing. So it was decided that it would already be on his arm. Um, but I did a, a much more simplified version but I said, wouldn't it be great if he comes out of the ceiling and he's pointing these two spikes directly at Joker? Mm. And Joker thinks my number's up here. And then they split apart and uh, and fire into the walls. And so that little bit of action was something that I came up with. Wow. And, cool. um, and so Tim responded very well for that. So, so from that moment till he gets in the car... That was all like that was very exciting to me because I was like, oh yeah, that, yeah, that's something I did. That's and then I remember my mum was sitting next to me when um when uh Batman and Vicky Vale 
disappear through the door. There's that shot of uh, of the Joker at the top of the t- top of the balcony saying, "Where did you get those wonderful toys?" Yeah. And my mum said, "In my," he said, "You, you, you gave them to him." So that was kind <laughs> Great. of Oh, bless your mum for doing that. That's lovely. Joker, yeah. that's my son that did that, actually. That's where he gets Batman. That's where Batman yeah, she gets did, She didn't get up in the cinema, thankfully. <laughs> that's but, that's yeah, awesome. And then, yeah. you know, the, 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 the Batmobile reveal got a cheer, so that was very, very exciting. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think that in terms, of, in terms of any other movie that I've done where I saw it in the film, I didn't get as big a kick out of anything as much as I did batman mm. although i was pleased to be involved in other films like casino royale and gravity and, yeah. and stuff like that just great films in, in and of themselves to say i was part of that that was that was nice even though yeah what i did didn't have that much of an impact that for instance the stuff on bat batman did i was just going to say i wanted to final say a final thing about Dan Walker's work on The Flash because he read he redid the Batwing on that and I think he did mm. a really marvelous job of reimagining it because I don't think that the one that I did would have fit into that film because I felt it had a far more modern feel. It you, it's interesting you say that because when it first shows up I immediately rejected it in my mind when I first saw it as in no, why are you why are you flying that? But then I realized, oh well, the last Batwing was obviously shot down by the Joker. So of course when he goes back to a redesign, he's gonna make it different. And yeah. as the film went on, um there was some cool things about the Batwing. Uh one there's a rotating cockpit, which I I, I thought was was pretty cool actually. You did like that rotating cockpit. I did, yeah, yeah. Ben Ben um you didn't it wasn't like you didn't not like it but oh i liked it too but alex yeah but i was i i when i saw that i was like well that's cool and that just kind of then as the film went on and you'd see the batwing in more action i kind of instantly embraced it as the new batwing for 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 keaton's batman so yeah i thought it was a really cool design paying tribute to yours whilst being something new and and fitting for the film yeah well yeah i mean it it says something about the, the the different approaches that I had back in 89 versus now was that I couldn't have created the, the, the Batmobile in the way that Dan has done the Batwing for the new movie because because of his uh, background in vehicle design, he basically did the whole thing inside and out under Paul's direction. But what I did was taken out of my hands to all kinds of artists yeah. and, and technicians mm-hmm. Um, nowadays I can present something to these people which they can extrapolate with uh, defined measurements and stuff like that. So I'm I'm always pleased when people say, oh, you did the Batmobile, but it's really, it was a, it was a collaborative effort. Yeah. And the decisions that were made to get it to the finishing line were not nearly just mine. There were plenty of people. Like, no, for, instance, I- like for instance, one of the main ones, is um, when we were looking at the, the when we were looking at the picture, I think it I I, I don't I'm not going to say who it was because I can't remember exactly. But somebody said, "How do we get into this thing?" And I suddenly had this sort of cold fear. I I hadn't designed any doors for it. And if you look <laughs> at the sketch, 
you look at the sketch, it just doesn't make any sense. I was like, oh God, how we how am I going to do gullwing doors? What are we going to do? And it was actually Nigel on the other side of the room, Nigel Phelps said, just slide the thing down the bonnet. And hmm. it was like, it was obvious, but I didn't see it. So again, right. it's a decision like that. You know, I, 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 it wouldn't have been anything without those other people around me sort of guiding me through those, 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 uh, you know, uh, obstacles. Because as I say, you know, I was only 25 when I did that. Yeah, and I think, but it's, you know, you're right. And there were a lot of hands on that Batmobile, as you said earlier, which I think all ultimately created the perfect Batmobile. I mean, it it is definitively the best looking Batmobile. Anyone that thinks different is is wrong, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, because it is just straight yeah. up the coolest car I've ever seen on screen. And I'm counting all iterations of other vehicles that people think are cool. It's still the coolest looking car I've ever seen. It was my favourite toy I ever had. That yeah. Batmobile when the movie came out had a the, the plastic Batmobile and it had a, a cocoon you could put on top of it, which it was, it was the best thing ever. Five and you got to know amazing. you got to know the design of the Batmobile through the toy. Like you were talking yeah. about all of like the Very piping and the, on the sides. The toy yeah. had that, so you really you, yeah. uh, I, I I remember more details about my toy than I do about the film when I was a kid. Because obviously mm. I would I would I could see it, it was tangible and I would play with it and, and use it all yeah. the time. And um one thing I've just remembered now that I haven't asked you yet is the uh the hidden machine guns where the, it pops up on the hood. Um yes. was that something that somebody else uh put into the design or is that something that you started with and went through iterations? That 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 little that little shape, that sort of um it looks like a sort of like an a Romanesque window that sits on the top of the mm, yes. car with the grills. Yes, I came up with that idea, but I wanted to have um, miniguns come out. You know, like the ones in Predator. Yeah, right. The, the, the Blaine character has, but yeah. And I, and I, I, I sort of showed, I showed uh, Anton. I said, look, 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 look at this minigun. It'd be great to have this. We just eviscerate everything. And uh, I don't think I think he was down with the idea but i don't think that they could get a license to bring one into the uk okay so it was those brownings which kind of fit they, they feel they feel like they belong yeah. in gotham those brownings yeah. so absolutely man um well julian it's been an absolute pleasure where can our listeners find you where do you want to direct them to if they want to see all of the things that you worked on and what you're currently working on well you can go to the crop website that's k-r-o-p and just put Julian Caldo in, and it will it'll guide you all the way there. And I've just yeah. put uh, this morning put the the Flash um, uh, concepts on there, so they can see those as well. Amazing! And you can have a look at them, and you'll know what I did actually work on and what I did. Yeah, they're very <laughs> cool. Had a quick look today. Yeah, that's that's brilliant, man. I mean, I feel like I could, if I ran into you at a pub. I think that I wouldn't leave that pub for a good five hours <laughs> and I would force you to stay there and tell me about all the films that you, you worked on. You worked on some amazing things. You've done some amazing things. So yeah, thank you for all of your work that you continue to do and that you've done because as a kid and up until now, you know, uh, you, you did, you created a lot of magic 
on, on screen. Well, ultimately, that's why I, I do it. Sometimes I sort of feel I do a sort of silly job, frivolous job, but when it means a lot to other people, then it's it's worth doing. You know? That's the job, man. You're yeah. you're a superhero in your own way. Thank you. <laughs> well, Julian, thanks so much again, and hopefully we can have you on another time to chat about all these other films that I'm sure once I hang up, I'm going to be like, oh, he worked on that? I want to ask him about that. So maybe we can have you back. Well, feel free. Thank Thanks, you so Julian. much. Julian. That was amazing. Cheers. Ta-da. Look after yourselves. Well, that was fun. Who's for Chinese? All right. We hope you all enjoyed that chat with Julian. Ben, just right off the bat, haha! I've done that <laughs> already. It's so funny. Funny. Actually, I really didn't mean to do that in the interview. I didn't mean to say that, but now it stays it's funny as well. Which is... it stays funny. It yeah. does. Yeah. Every yeah. time I say it now, mm. especially on especially on purpose. Oh. Um, <laughs> so the contemplation of the design behind the Batmobile, I thought, was a really cool chat. Mm. Uh, understanding like what influenced it, where it came from. Um, but mainly just him talking about being on set and seeing his creation just parked there on the street in yeah. Gotham. Like, what a cool experience, That's so man. Cool. And the fact that he barely noticed it because it was just so yeah. dark. And, you know, that street scene, well, that just those Gotham streets are, are so awesome. I would have loved yeah. to have been there watching the steam rise from the manhole cover. And, yeah, that must have been a very cool set. Very cool. Absolutely. Indeed. So um, the other thing with the grapple gun is I had no idea that that this film was the one that created that for Batman. Yeah. Yeah. I guess he didn't have one before that. No, he did. I did some research and it didn't appear until Batman 89. The grapple gun was created and now it's used in every iteration since. Yeah. So this guy helped create an iconic utility belt device that batman uses that has been in films video games tv shows everything since yeah. the since this film and it was all i don't know it kind of felt a bit throwaway for him it was like yeah you know had to generate this thing that's the size of a cassette tape and uh so yeah just made this grapple gun. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah I mean, it's amazing wow yeah it was very cool and you know his his work on the the st- some of the storyboards for the film and eventually some of the the actual scenes themselves is just yeah he very cool what he did man's a visionary yeah. man's a visionary uh and then also the batwing obviously my favorite batwing by far yeah i just i love all of that i loved the how they got to showing it as like the bat signal in the moon yes. and how that all came to be That's and very cool. how how it looked and how it was built um i think it's just the, just the designs that was spawned for that film and what he helped and contributed to that movie. Obviously it created this whole Batman movement, right? Like I, I said at the beginning of this podcast, people were shaving the bat signal into the back of their heads. The yeah. bat signal was everywhere. The movie was a you phenomenon. You actually said carving it into their heads. And I wanted to just oh, yeah. say to people, they, I don't think anyone did that. Like, That's actually. like what a villain would do, right? Like I hate the Batman so much. Do you remember 1989? It, it was very violent. And uh, <laughs> it was actually like being in Gotham City. Everyone had carved a bat symbol into their face um but no yeah it, it it was absolutely amazing and his i guess it shows that when you have a a creative team that are very much on the same page you know you get consistency as well because everything the batwing and the batmobile they 
I guess because he essentially designed both of them initially, at least they they fit so well together. They're very much part of the same universe, and it's uh, and they're beautiful, beautiful automobiles, aren't they? Yeah, they. I mean, I if I had a choice of any Batmobile that I could ever own in real life. Is that one without question? I wouldn't yeah. even hesitate. Even if they would say something like, "Oh, but you could have like one from the comics or the animated version brought to life," I'd still be like, "No, I want the Burton Batmobile." No That's question. What I want. It'd be that. It'd be that yeah. one easily. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then he's worked on so many other cool things, man. Like when he just dropped casually working on Casino Royale, which is my favorite Bond film. I know you I did. You did a bit of a flip sucked. there, didn't you? I yeah, I was such a fan, and it was. I felt like I was being punked. Like someone was just like, all right, let's just, you know, let's fuck with Alex for a bit. And let's just, you know, everything he loves. Let's just like talk I'd about it Like I'd spoken to him beforehand. Yeah. Do you yeah. Mean, and you're him, like, yeah. you worked on a Bond film as well. Go on. <laughs> tell him you designed the Batmobile. Just make it up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, it was crazy. And that, that chase sequence at the beginning of Casino Royale oh. is one of my favorite scenes of all Bond movies. Amazing. It's so good. I watched that yeah. again recently. And Mads Mickelson, his his villain in that, I think he's my favourite Bond villain. Absolutely, just me too. Yeah, because he's just so desperate and and an actual person. He's yeah, he's, and that yeah. torture sequence. Is well, just yeah, there is one the old, of a kind. The old rope to the sack, you know, yeah. <laughs> or two of a kind. Sort I of thing. I, I'm Joker would love to do that to Batman, wouldn't he? <laughs> love that never 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 rub another man's rhubarb <laughs> just start smacking him right yeah. in the, right in the rhubarb that's it right in the rhubarb yeah <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe in batman maybe in the batman too and finally one of my favorite films one of your favorite films and one of your co-host Eamon's favorite films yeah from your podcast aliens yeah he worked on that and amazing i mean what a trip what a trip dude like like to his be first suddenly... movie and it's like i know yeah do you want to come and control the queen yeah all right yeah might as well yeah <laughs> <laughs> what not iconic at all is it and he's in a shot as well you get shot shot in the yes. head but i think that's yeah. the point at which the acid sprays spray over vasquez's friend her pal that oh yeah i think her. you're right <laughs> Yes. Yes. And Myers yeah. is a very, a very loose interpretation word Gorman, for that one. I think he's called. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's, it's such a weird relationship. Those two. I think he just admires her. He wants a physique like her. It's very strange. Anyway, <laughs> aliens. Amazing. But yeah, it was such a cool chat. Lovely man. And um, yeah, there's and Judge Dredd. And Judge Dredd designing the fucking gun. It's so cool, man. Wild. I would, I, I didn't say cause it's lame, but. I had a because back then you could get toy guns that look like guns. Like nowadays, you you can't because it's naughty. But I had this. I guess it was a toy Beretta gun, and I got cardboard and made a kind of uh, well sheath for or it. Double I barrel. I've just I coated it all in cardboard and kind of made the cardboard look like the Lawgiver. So that was my gun which is essentially what he did in a much cooler and better looking way mine was just sellotaped cardboard painted black so it looked like the lawgiver gun it's but, so uh, funny yeah. you did that because i also didn't say to him because i thought it was lame yeah that um because he's already like his creations are toys that were beloved by millions and yeah. still are like 
you know the flash movie giving birth to the batman yeah, and back, Batmobile it? movie again it's back and even though it was only used in one friggin' scene and that was it but um i had a nerf gun yeah right that looked like the lawgiver as well and yeah. i remember quoting stallone just constantly walking around just like i am the lord just shoot my brother <laughs> in the face <laughs> yeah that's good there you go you see yeah it's losers that's yeah, both that, big time losers. That's what we got from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're way cooler than us. You've yeah. done so many cool things. Really glad we didn't say those things. <laughs> but um yeah, it just it's mad that all of these creations are actual toys that like you yeah. can go out and still buy. Like they have the bat belt and the grapple gun as like a replica buy now that yeah. costs like hundreds and hundreds of pounds. That's wild. Um yeah. But it's yeah, it's they're just it's continued to be iconic because the that film, especially Batman eighty nine, there was so much created in that film that just was just worked so beautifully and it yeah. was such a as you said, like the collaboration effort just paid off um ten times fold. So yeah, I I was really happy to chat with him. It's uh, it's awesome that he came on and he's still working on so many great projects now, like he teased a bit of Gladiator too. Yeah, he that, did obviously he's working on and yeah he's just um what a great guy and what a great guest so i was Indeed. really happy to have julian yeah, on. Nice one. yeah really good all right so we normally do uh on my uh on side a of this cassette tape with mm. my brother some some fun games and i thought i'd like to do that with ben as well so uh my first category or game of the day is called riddle me this benjamin <laughs> focus focus but you'll still have to answer the riddle. I can't believe it's luck. Oh, darn. Now there's a riddle for you. A lucky guess, that's all. Now, now, no sore losers. <laughs> Benjamin. Okay, excellent. Yeah. Uh, all right. Benjamin. <laughs> Good. All right. Then, then hit me with it. Okay, so I'm going to ask you several questions that relate to either the film that we're going to watch, or in this case, the guest that we have today, just questions that kind of roll in and okay. make sense. All right, and they're not going to be too hard, not like, what was, what was Julian wearing the day that he worked on Aliens? You know, like, nothing like that. What's Julian's Actually, you would name? Know. Yeah. So you would know what he's wearing. He was wearing, like, an alien costume, because that's what he was in. That's yeah, of course he was wearing an alien costume, yeah. <laughs> yeah, listen back to the interview and picture that. You knew that. Yeah. yeah, he was wearing it whilst you were chatting with him. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. But naked from the waist down. And a Judge Dredd bit. helmet. I mean, he was kind of showing <laughs> off. It was a bit awkward. <laughs> like, check out my work, guys. Yeah. Yeah, and his room was the, like, cockpit of the Batwing. It was really yeah. lame. God, that's... <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right, here we go. Question one. Are you ready? Mm. Okay. Question one, what make of vehicle was the 89 Batmobile built on? This is the hardest question of the lot, so I thought I'd start off with a really tough one. You don't have to say the, if you know the make and model, that's amazing, but if you just know the brand of vehicle, then that's fine. But it's not something cool like Ferrari. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I'm going to say a Volvo because I know that's wrong, but... Uh... Not a bad guess. Yeah. Not a bad guess. What is it then? It is a Chevy Impala or a Chevrolet Impala. Chevrolet popped into my head, but 
I don't I don't know American cars. Oh. That's all right. That's all right. That's the hardest one, I think, that okay. you're going to get out of this. I'm not so, very good um, at this, by the way. So. But I thought that was just a... By the way, that's just a lame car. You know, I'm yeah. surprised that the coolest car I've ever seen on screen is built on top of Got a Chevy Impala. Yeah, which is like what I used to buy drugs from when I was like 18, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, that was my dealer's car, Chevy Impala. <laughs> we don't okay. condone that. <laughs> Question two: yeah. Who was the who was the production designer for Batman '89? Oh, was it was he called Anton? Yes, yeah. well done. What's his surname? Anton First. Anton First. Okay, yeah. Okay, good. So, uh, oh, yeah, he, if the internet was still around, he would write first on every comment. You know, yeah. on every post. Yeah, he would. <laughs> <laughs> so every time there was a picture of like Gotham City or the Batmobile, you'd be like, first. First. But F U R S T. F U R S T. Oh, spell it wrong. No, I didn't. It's my surname. <laughs> oh, damn it. You get quite cross. You would get cross. You would. All right. Question three How many live action Batmobiles have we seen on film? I will give you time to count if you want. Oh, God. One. Two. Well, earlier on... I will count... Yeah, I won't count. So, like, Batman... Uh, we obviously know that Batman 89 is going to be one of them. You can't count Batman 89 and Batman Returns as two different... Uh, we, the same it's vehicle. movies, not TV. Live-action movies, not TV. Just movies. Okay, one, two, three, four... Oh, five. I've lost it. One, two, three, four, five, six. Well, you said there were seven movies earlier on, so I'm counting seven Batmobiles. Unless there's been one blown up and a new one. There are two in one movie. I'm going with seven. Seven is correct. Seven actors, seven vehicles. Different, ve different vehicle for a di each actor. Uh, yeah, well, obviously Keaton doubles up on that, um, and then so does uh, Bale. He has mm. well, three films, so he triples up. Tumblr! <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> go to come in, go to come in, Blair. Yeah. Question four. How many live-action Batwings have we seen on film? Not including TV shows again, just film. Okay, is the... In Dark Knight Rises, is that a Batwing? Yes, it counts. It's a Batwing. Yeah, because he even says, like... Uh, what does he call it in that? I call it the I call it the bat. That's what Morgan yeah. Freeman says. So it counts as the bat wing. Yeah. Is he the nigger? Oh, is it? What is he? <laughs> my, she says my mum told me not to get into a car with strange men. I mean, how stupid of a thing for Catwoman to say because it's obviously not a car. Yeah. You jumped into a giant cockpit. What do you think you're in? Like no. a car that's the size of a friggin' jumbo jet obviously it's not a car Doubt her mum told her to dress up in that outfit and steal either <laughs> but she still did it didn't she yeah she unbelievable did. uh bat wings so we got we got the returns bat uh, sorry we got the batman bat wing mm -hmm. we got the 1989 bat wing mm -hmm. we got the not a god bat wing mm -hmm. we got the flash bat wing or are we counting that as the same bat wing oh i didn't even have that on my list Mm, three already Ooh. got oh I don't oh Batman versus Superman Batwing is that has he got a Batwing he does has he got a plane he does he's got a Batwing and then our um, I'm trying to think it was Forever or Rob or oh, Batman and Robin might have a Batwing 
I'm going to go with five. I'm going to go okay. with five. Five is the correct answer. But... So you got it right, but you didn't miss... You'd get, yeah, so we've got Batman 89. Yep. We've got Batman Forever. Mm-hmm. Ah, That's okay. when he flies by the Commissioner Gordon lighting the signal, and then he gives the thumbs up in the cockpit when he flies through, like, the Ridley. And that scene, we'll get to that as well, but just to talk about it, because I love that film. It's a guilty pleasure, but that scene makes no sense because there's a Riddler, like, question mark projected, and the bat signal is the dot and the question mark, right? Yes. And then Batman in his Batwing flies through the question mark and it just corrects itself. Like, it's projected from, like, miles away. Yeah. Yet him flying through the projection, he's like, that solves it. It's gone now. It's just the bat signal again. And he gives the thumbs up and Commissioner Gordon, in all of his usefulness in the, all of the movies, just goes, yeah, go! Yeah, Batman! <laughs> you're my boy! It's Never almost like job they- my life just wanted it to look cool and didn't think about whether it could actually happen or not yeah Almost i guess so. like that isn't it so we've got batman 89 batman forever the dark knight rises with a call of the bat and then yeah. we've got batman the superman you're right he has a bat wing in that mm. and some people will be like what about justice league i don't think it counts because he calls it the fox which is this like giant like helicarrier type oh, yeah, thing yeah it's a huge Deal, isn't it? Yeah, it's, a it's like a bat cave on wings. Yeah, basically. Yeah, whatever. So that don't count. Well done. And then the final hey. question, question five: What year did Batman's grapple gun make its first appearance? Well, that would be 1989, though, Mike. Yes, that is correct. I, as I gave you that fact earlier, I was like, "Fuck, that's one of my questions." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, having been part of the interview, I think I would have known that anyway. But that's yeah, true. That's that was true. a nice, easy one at the end. Oh, I did okay. I did okay. You did. You got four out of five. Yeah. I'm not normally a fan of trivia. I don't... uh, No? My my memory is very bad, and I don't remember many things, but it's all right. I was able to figure those out using some part of my brain that does work. Using my detective skills. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. Okay. Riddle me this, Benjamin. Yep. There we go. We've done that one. All right. And then our last game of the day is our top five. Mm. Okay. So we've got in this one, since Batmobiles were a big discussion about, uh, about with our chat with Julian, then I thought, why not do our top five? favorite batmobiles mm-hmm. and um i've basically stolen this from your podcast so if yes, people want to hear this game on watching films on the toilet then you can uh, easily go and do that checking them yep. out on wherever you get your podcast but i like when you guys do this so i thought this would be really fun to do but mm. batman theme it up so we're going to do our top five favorite batmobiles we're just going to try and guess each other's and we have a certain amount of guesses that we're allowed three and person three guesses and, and person, if it's a duplicate you have to declare it that's right. That's right. Yes. I forgot about that. Thank you for uh, thank you for telling me how to play this game that yeah, I've just taken from fine. you. <laughs> Stole it. Get it right. It's, okay. That's the least you can do. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't you take the lead then on this with top five favorite Batmobiles? You can go first. Happily will. Okay. Uh, well, the first one is a duplicate. I'm not. I'm not playing around here. I'm keep playing it safe. Uh, it's the it's the Tim Burton Batmobile. Correct. Okay. okay. So we both got that one. So we both got that one. Woo! Okay. Over the, to you, friend. The second one that I will say for you is Batman 66. No. 
No, that doesn't, oh, well, so doesn't that float a... my boat. That's not my. That's not oh, my. Bugger, that was also a duplicate, so I have to count that, right? Duplicate. Yeah, you do. You Damn do. it! I don't know how to play this game. Oh, by the way, if whoever loses <laughs> has to do a forfeit, that's Batman related. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Good. So one nil to me. Second guess. Another duplicate. Uh, the Batman animated series Batmobile. Bastard. Yes. Yeah. So that's three. <laughs> so you've got it. You've got it so already. A duplicate. No, no, not necessarily. We still no? got. No, we each get three guesses. Oh, I see. Okay. Never listen to this game, Jesus. Christ. <laughs> no, I just, I just hear you talk about things yeah. that you like, and I'm like, oh, oh no, that was too. a good game. <laughs> <laughs> Is it over? <laughs> <laughs> you have got two more. I haven't won okay. yet. Hmm. If you get this one wrong, I have one. But I can't. Okay, and I can I name a duplicate. Yeah, you you could if it's one of yours that you've also chosen. Yeah. You said yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, but yeah, you can choose them. I am gonna say then. You didn't say Batman sixty six, which I find is interesting because I thought that would be your sneaky one. Mm-mm. And this is uh, yeah, top five favorite Batmobiles, and it's not including comic books and video games. We agreed upon that. No, right? Could in- yes, we did. But you can choose animated movies or yes. shows, and that's why oh, I thought you, you would dive something. super deep. Did you? Well, I did chose. Uh, yeah, I chose the animated series Batmobile because it is a great Batmobile. It's one well, of no, my I th- I thought you would have dived super deep. Oh, so I see. I well, so you in turn did. No, I my choices are not super deep. They're just okay. I just well, got I right. just looked I'm- at lots of them to think about what you might have chosen. Okay, here we go. Duplicate answer, Batman Forever. Yes. Yes. I did pick that. That's a great Batmobile. It's a great Batmobile. I love the giant wings at the back. I love this, like, 90s neon blue glow it's got in the the hood. It makes no sense, but it's amazing. Mm. The toy was cool. It still has the same, like, uh, cockpit-type thing as the Batman 89 one, which I liked. So yeah. yeah, okay, cool. And you you drive it really fast whilst listening to "Kiss from a Rose" by Seal. <laughs> yeah, right? or or like find some random street gang and hit on the girl and be like, "Yeah, I'm Batman," and you're Chris yeah. O'Donnell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chris O'Donnell. What happened to Chris O'Donnell? I think he just does TV now. Okay, that's all right. He wasn't shamed or anything or cancelled. No, he just, he grew up. <laughs> good, good. That's fine. I mean, I'm, he I'm was bad. already, he was 42 in those movies. So yeah. he's he was like older than now. George Clooney in Batman <laughs> <Yeah>. and Robin. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. All right, so I get one more guess. So we've, I've got two, you've got one. Mm. So if I get this one right, I'm the winner. Oh, you're probably going to get it right, aren't you? So I... Oh, actually, how, I don't know if you're going to get it right. How I've, deep did you go? I didn't go that deep, to be honest with you. Hmm. Yeah, I've got my ace in the hole here. I think this is going to save me, this one. But it's not that deep. But, um, yeah, I, it's one of my favourites, so that's why it's on the list. It wasn't more trickery than it was just my favourite. Okay. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I got a compilation image of every animated... TV shows Batmobile. What for this game specifically? Yeah. yeah. Hilarious. Do my research, Alex. Um oh god. I'll just say the Batmobile from Batman the Brave and the Bold animated series. No, that is incorrect. Okay. Okay, fine. <clears throat> okay, so I have, so I have a chance to 
you have a chance to draw. To draw. And then yeah. whoever got if whoever used the most duplicates loses. Well, okay, I'm gonna say the tumbler. Yeah. It's yeah. The tumbler. I like the tumbler. It's Tumblr a cool automobile. It is not on my list. Okay. I like the, you know, just the sheer tankness of it. And uh it looks like I imagine if there was a real Batmobile, it would look like that. Okay. It's the most, yeah. you know. I I didn't put it on my list because I like my Batmobiles to be a car more than a tank. Um, mm-hmm. I like the Dark Knight Returns comic book when he has the like tank Batmobile because that makes sense for old that man Batman. Cool Batmobile. Um, and I know Batman Begins, they said it as like, this is a grounded movie. So obviously you've got like a vehicle that can do all the things that it needs to do. But um, there's nothing bat about it to me. There's no like cool like batwing spoilers or it just Does it doesn't come, come in black? black that's it you know that's yeah. the only thing um so yeah i just i've never liked that it's like a military vehicle that's that he just fair. yeah okay um so it's a draw <laughs> yes. we've arrived at a draw in which case we both have to do a forfeit oh and we do then we'll say what our choices actually were because we don't know do we but let's see what, what's our forfeit for for next time, which you'll hear next time. What is it? I think our forfeit should be something like from from Batman eighty nine would be fun, right? Mm. Staying on theme with today's episode, so maybe something along the lines of we we come across the Joker's goons, yes. and we and we pick a fight with them. Okay, so Bob, uh, yes. we'll pick a fight with Bob. We'll pick a fight with the man with two swords. Yeah, and uh, handlebar mustache, bald guy with the holds the stereo. Yes, definitely pick a fight with him. Man, DJ who, DJ mustache. Let's call him DJ that. mustache. Man who gets his head bashed on a bell, which is oh yeah, uh, that not a euphemism. Um, <laughs> actually happens. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're gonna fight them. Yes, we're gonna fight them in All the right. streets. Or try to. Okay. We'll try to. Okay, Great. that's that's a forfeit. All right, cool. But we'll, what uh, what were your top five choices, Alex? All right, my top five in order, Ben, is number one is Batman nineteen eighty nine. Obviously, the best Batmobile. We already knew that, but we still, that. Yep. we know that. Mm-hmm. Number two is Batman the animated series Batmobile. Yeah, I think it's sleek. It's really cool looking. Looks like a missile. Love it. It's really cool. Number three is Batman 66. I love the look of that Batmobile. Okay. I love just the, it was the first one really conceived as like the proper Batmobile for film or for TV in this case and, and the movie as well. Yeah. But I love like just the, the red lines that run across it, the bat logo, the two separate cockpits in there with like the glass that comes kind of half up. Yeah. It's a really cool looking car. Uh, and I've seen it in person at a few car shows in the past, oh, cool. as well as the 89 Batmobile. And it was just, yeah, amazing. Beautiful. Okay. This, my fourth favorite is from the new Batman adventures, which is when the okay. animated series refreshed. Yes. So they did like Batman, the animated series, and then they did Superman, the animated series. And while Superman mm-hmm. was going on, they brought Batman back in this new kind of revamped style that um, uh, it just, I think, looks really slick. And essentially, the new Batman Adventures Batmobile looks a lot like the Burton Batmobile. Um, it does. It's not... Yeah, it's very sort of... I've got a picture of it in front of me. It's very smooth, isn't it? It's kind of yes. got a quite a high side. 
So yeah, it's a... got these. It's got curves like a lady, and yeah. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to yeah. get inside that one. <laughs> Whoa! Wow. Good. Was that your fifth choice or your? That was my fourth, and then my fifth favorite Batmobile is the Batman Forever Batmobile because I love okay. that film, guilty pleasure. But it's also just a cool looking car, as we yeah. said. So I Pretty can't. Sweet. And when it drives up the side of the building, man, I don't care who you are. That's a fun scene when Batman has yeah. to escape them. Two face. Yeah. Yeah. it's wicked. Okay. I'd drive a Batmobile up the side of a building. That'd be that'd be yeah. a right lol. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, mine in no particular order were the Tumbler, the Burton. Uh, Batman animated series, Batman Forever, and uh, the Batmobile from Beware the Batman, the animated series. Beware, I don't know what this is. Beware the Batman. So it was, yeah, it's a very cool, like low down sports car type one. And I remember buying the Lego set for my son because he used to watch Beware the Batman. Oh, yeah, it was the CG one where he had like. was it katana or what was her name yes she... that's right yeah yeah so t- yeah 20 2013 oh i'm even seeing the lego what yeah it looks yeah it's cool yeah it was a cool it was a cool batmobile and the lego set was cool and yeah I very just remember, su- very supercar this one. it was i remember so yeah. my yeah my youngest son would have been about four or five and we we used to watch that together and he liked it and, uh, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I remember watching a few episodes of that because it had like Professor Pig in it, which I was like, that's yeah. a dark villain to have was, in a kid's He, he got party. creepy. Yeah, it was pretty, yeah, it was good. It was a good good show, I thought. So yeah, there you go. That's cool. All right, yeah. cool. Um, yeah, it, it looks like, a, yeah, like I said, like a supercar, like a rocket ship. I dig it. Hmm. So if there's cool. any that we've missed that are cooler than our choices... Please let us know. Yeah, absolutely. You can write in batmantaspod at gmail.com or check us out on the socials, batmantaspod. And if you wanted to listen to Ben's podcast, where could they do that? Uh, Watching films on the toilet. So you can can find us in all the places. Um, You can find us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and TikTok if you want to go there. Um, But yeah, our podcast is... It's everywhere, mate. It's in your face. It's in your back garden right now. It's banging on your door, and all it needs is an invite, like a glittery well, vampire. Can you find it on Twitter, or do you have to go to X now to find it? Oh, oh you can find it on X. <laughs> oh. do, you know, do you know it's called Zeets now? X Zeets. Yeah, not tweets. You Zeet it. Oh, God, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> don't bother. Don't bother going there. It is there, but don't go there and look for it. Uh, Yuck. Yeah. Let's get Batman on him. He's a villain. (laughs) He is a super villain. Oh, my God. He's Lex Luthor. He is Lex Luthor. Yeah. All right. Is there anything you want to add before we jet off? Yeah. Uh, Thank you for having me again. Uh, And please listen to Watching Films on the Toilet. We've got a, uh, well, we've got an Expendables extravaganza coming up. We're going to watch all the Expendables movies leading up to the release oh, of Expendables sh- 4. Do you know September. I just found out there was an Expendables 4 today? Yeah. I was coming. like, they've made it? It's it coming? It's coming, like, yes. I saw the right? trailer. Took uh, My son really loves the film The Meg, so we went to see The Meg 2, which was dreadful. Uh, I bet it, it was. did have the, the Expendables 4 trailer. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> Well, I've uh, I've been yeah. to the the cinema recently as well. Mm. I went to go see the Ninja Turtles movie, Mutant how, Mayhem. How did you find that? 
It was okay. I I like went to I went in and there were a lot of children there, which was to be expected. Yeah. Uh, I was the only adult that did not have a child, so I yes. was like, okay, here we go. And um, did you tell them you were a cinephile because that could have gone <laughs> could have gone badly? I pointed at one of the no, children. Cinephile, and, yeah, I said. I, I said it to him point blank looking into his eyes and i was like i am a cinephile shut up stop talking um, <laughs> Raphael's the best donatello sucks um so oh well yeah what's your favorite turtle then yeah, it's donatello is it donatello i like donatello Oh, you like big nerd big stick i am a, i'm a big nerd <laughs> you are a big nerd yeah i always like uh, I will say that I enjoyed it for what it were, for what it was. Um, I don't think it's nearly as good as like the live action ones we got in the nineties, which mm. I was hoping with Seth Rogen and people like that kind of love to build nostalgia into it, and they did. There was definitely some nostalgia from past cartoon iterations or movies and stuff. Yeah. Um, I think the turtles look cool. They finally look good. I haven't seen a good-looking turtle on screen for quite some time. Seen a good-looking like... turtle around here lately? No, they've always been like giant, like orc, like monsters or yeah. cave trolls or whatever. Um, so they look good. I feel like, and this is no spoiler because there's trailers and everything. I feel like Shredder and his Foot Clan is heavily missed in this film. Mm. I know that they were trying to go for focusing on the mutants, hence the name Mutant Mayhem which is fun and i dug it for the most part but i was finding even though it's like an hour and a half or maybe a bit longer i was finding it quite long yeah a bit drawn out um but then i was like this isn't my turtles right it's not made for me it's made for the kids that are sitting behind me that are all watching it so i'm sure they'll i didn't judge it yeah they did they did love it and there was a there was a toy commercial for the Ninja Turtles that we were about to watch, they had like all the toys and I was like, Whoa, oh, cool. this is cool. Yeah. Like yeah. the kids all paid attention. It's like, get the new turtle van and Leonardo and Donatello. And you're like, Oh, yeah. this is actually kind of cool that they're doing 700 this. pounds for all the toys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah mental. Oh, that's, that's um, so cool. yeah. I mean, it's yeah. got stiff competition with the spider verse recently. Uh, you know came out and um yeah that was and it's phenomenal. definitely there's no doubt it's taken huge influence that with the animation like it looks so spider-verse this movie yeah. which i'm happy about because that's a good looking movie it's a great looking movie so yeah i i i really liked the animation it hmm. was kind of the voice cast and the plot was just okay that was yeah. you know it wasn't bad it wasn't good it was just okay. have you seen so, uh, oppenheimer or are you just checking out kids movies no, I haven't seen Oppenheimer. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Have you seen it? No, I haven't. I'm going to see it this week. Um, okay. I was I was away, but yeah, there's some films I want to catch up on. But yeah, maybe. Oh yeah, no, kind of saw the Meg too. Yeah, that sucked. Anyway, I know. Yeah, yeah. you're giving me shit for going to see kids movies. You're going to see the worst like sequel to a terrible I really didn't movie. Didn't want to see it, but my son was so excited. I was like, I said to my wife, "Do we? Do we have?" it's got like 22 percent on rotten tomatoes it's gonna to be rubbish <laughs> look at it look at his excited face he's, oh. he's dressed up as a shark like oh, let's okay. go <laughs> and it was really bad but you know he liked it so that's yeah fine. i do like well, I, i've always I, got time for statham i mean statham yeah, on the jet me too. Ski is that was good that was strong is that, is that a dream of yours statham yeah that, on a jet that ski? <laughs> i'm gonna get on a jet ski now I mean that was good, <laughs> but it's not a good film. 
That's yeah. a bloody great big show. Yeah, that's it. It's a megalodon. Um, <laughs> anyway. That's what he says when like a really big plate of food is presented yeah. to him. It's a megalodon. That's a megalodon. <laughs> yeah. Every time. Everything's Jason, a megalodon. we're not on set. You don't have to call everything a megalodon. He Shut gets up, in his hammer. <laughs> yeah, he gets in his hammer. <laughs> yeah, of course he does. I think, yeah, he probably drives a hammer. Yeah, oh, yeah, 100%. Or a, or a Lambo. He calls his penis a megalodon. <laughs> <laughs> probably is. <laughs> time to wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all the time we've got for this week. Join us next time where we'll be talking all things Batman on the big screen. Until then, I've been Alex Robson. I've been Ben. And remember, never rub another man's rhubarb. Never, please don't. <laughs> Unless you want to and they agree to it, in which case it's fine. It's but... consensual and yeah. you've got it in writing, yeah. Never and... rub another man's rhubarb without consent. <laughs> I'm a cinephile. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye.